You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here on this Wednesday edition and a lot to do today. We're going to preview Auburn and Texas A&M tonight at 8 o'clock inside of Neville Arena. To do that, we're going to have the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram, on at 4.30. He's going to talk to us about Auburn basketball, also about Jason Campbell joining the broadcast booth for Auburn Sports Network uh, college football Auburn games. And then we're also going to talk to Joe Bartle of RotoWire at 5.15. Continue to talk NFL playoffs, also a little fancy basketball. We'll update you on how the Auburn basketball guys are doing in the NBA. Also going to have a ticket giveaway at 5 o'clock, so stay tuned for that with Auburn women's basketball. Of course, as always, birthdays in sports and nightly TV guide. And then also we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week today as well. So a lot to do on this Wednesday edition of the program. And, of course, all of your phone calls at 334-887-3401 on the Auburn Bank phone line. So a lot to do to get today. We'll get right into it. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Cam. Tom, I hope you're doing well. Good to see you again, sir. Yeah, man. Doing great. Uh, went out and found a, a new Mountain Dew flavor because uh, you know, we, we like to try different Mountain Dews here uh, before we get the show started when there's a new one out. And so I uh, had to go and track one down around town today and finally found it. But uh, that's, I guess that's been the extent of my day today. Is we tried a new Dew. Tried a new Dew. Tracking Dews. Yeah. And uh, it's actually kind of a nice day out there now. It was quite stormy earlier. Around, but, uh, what, 5, 6, 7 yeah. in the morning, somewhere there? <laughs> yep. Around so, 4. Yeah. Guess who was driving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. But, yeah, and looking forward to this Auburn game tonight. Obviously, it's going to be one of Auburn's toughest tests that they've had. Uh, very, very physical Texas A&M team that's going to challenge Auburn. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be a challenge to keep the uh, keep this home win streak going. Uh, against a, a good Texas A&M team. They're not as good as some of the teams that Auburn is going to face uh, here very shortly, but they're still pretty good, and they're better than what Auburn has gotten wins over. So hopefully that positive play that you've seen against lesser uh, opponents can kind of continue on uh, as they come back to Neville Arena and in front of what's going to be a, a raucous crowd tonight. And then Cam Berry also on the show. Cam, uh, good to see you again, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Uh, already Wednesday, hump day. It's these weeks just seem to be flying by, man. Like it's almost February, and it's uh, it's already already uh, already here. So yeah, um, but yeah, definitely excited to talk about uh, Texas A&M and Auburn. Uh, these you know these Buzz Williams teams um, kind of give 
give Auburn um, and and Bruce Pearl's team some fits. Uh, Texas A&M, if I recall correctly, was the team that um, knocked Auburn out of the SEC tournament last year. Correct. Uh, yeah. So you 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 know, and a lot of these guys outside of you know obviously Jabari and Walker were on the team uh, last year. So that's something that they probably remember. Uh, and and you got to be able to defend home court. Auburn opens up as a four and a half point favorite, and and. That's, uh, that's honestly about right. I mean, this Texas A&M team is tough defensively, and um, they got a bunch of guys that returned as well. So uh, they have a lot of continuity going on, and it's going to be interesting. And as we talk about it and break it down, um, we'll go more in depth about that. Um, but, yeah, I'm doing real well. Yeah, and, and let's start off with uh, with Auburn basketball today. We got a lot to do today again as i've talked about on the show at some point i also would like to rant about the hall of fame i got about five oh, minutes of that in do it. uh yesterday as tom can attest i was just uh, beside myself i looked up some numbers on gary sheffield that i'm going to right. expound upon everyone and, and again uh just kind of rant and rave on that but we'll do that a little bit later we're gonna start with auburn basketball again playing texas a&m tonight you look at the sec standings four teams uh, have one loss or fewer. Alabama is the only undefeated team in the SEC. They're seven and zero. Auburn and Tennessee are six and one, and Texas A&M is five and one. Kentucky gaining ground, but at five and three, everyone else three losses or more. So this Texas A&M team is kind of the team that I won't say doesn't belong here because they've obviously only got one loss. But when you think of the SEC hierarchy. Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn make perfect sense towards the top. But Texas A&M is the unranked team here. They're right there with them in the standings, but did not have the kind of non-conference that set themselves up to be ranked right now and to be nationally recognized. Uh, They are definitely a team that uh, is not a lock to make the NCAA tournament, despite their, their, again, 5-1 and start in league play. Their one loss is on the road to Kentucky, and it's been a part of Kentucky's resurgence here over the last two weeks. We started to talk about the potential funeral of John Calipari in <laughs> Kentucky. Since then, they've done nothing but win. Right. <laughs> uh, A&M's best win would in the SEC would probably be a home win against Missouri, where they won 82-64. to So, again, breaking down this Texas A&M team, uh, what comes to mind, uh, I guess – uh, Cam kind of started us off right there with the fact that A&M and has had successes against Auburn right. at SEC tournament last year. A couple of wins in then Auburn Arena a few years back. Right. So this is a team that Auburn has had some battles with for sure over the last five or six years. Yeah, they they uh, they definitely have. Obviously, you know, in the regular season last year, um, I want to say no, that was South Carolina. Auburn did beat. Um, beat Texas A&M by about 20 points uh, in, in I think it was then Auburn Arena, um, Neville Arena. And and so they, they knew how to take care of business at home. But then that Texas A&M team did catch fire in, in, at the very right time um, and almost won the SEC tournament. So that was definitely something to um, pay attention to. And they are kind of riding that wave into this year. Um, with that success and yeah you're right they didn't have a very strong out of conference schedule I mean they lost to Colorado by you know almost 30 points so it's it's wins like that um, that you're just like man this team definitely has some ups and downs um, but they've been playing well in the SEC got wins against Florida got wins against um, 
actually they have two wins against Florida and um, a win against Missouri is probably their best win so far that Kentucky game they were competitive for a lot of the game um, and only ended up losing by nine so they definitely have some talent they have um, you know Tyrese Radford who's who's returning he's pretty good Um, and uh, it's going to be a challenge because they are a, a tough defensive team. They're a gritty team, um, so they're they're not afraid to grind out some wins. And so Auburn, if you're Auburn, you just have to stay uh, vigilant, stay disciplined, uh, continue to stay in your game, and don't let that that tenacious defense affect you. Uh, it'll be almost like playing Mississippi State, but with a better offense kind of i feel like an offense that will yeah. probably hit at least a singular right. yes three. yes uh, that will probably score some threes definitely um and and so if you're auburn like i said just stay disciplined you got to be able to hit your shots and, and be consistent because uh if not then then texas a&m will be able to um outscore you and and run you out of the gym Obviously, these two teams, as Texas A&M entered the conference about a decade ago, not a lot of prolonged history in college basketball. They've met 18 times overall. Auburn just 6-12 against the Aggies. But let's go over some of these recent results. As we've alluded to, the SEC tournament last year did not go well for Auburn. That, no. that game was played in Tampa. Rough first half for Auburn. They did make a charge in the second half, but ultimately lost 67-62. Uh, earlier in the year, they had defeated Texas A&M. Auburn had 75-58. to The year before, in January of 2021, Auburn lost in College Station 68-66. to The year before that, in Auburn Arena, Auburn lost a close one 78-75. to January 2019, the Tigers did take care of the Aggies 85 to 66, but then in February of 2018, Auburn lost again in Auburn Arena 81 to 80. So a couple home losses, a road loss, a neutral site loss. Uh, Auburn's been successful for the most part, even more successful than Texas A&M during this time period. Yet A&M has wins really everywhere against Auburn. This has not been a great matchup for the Tigers, uh, of course, dating back to uh, or, or past Buzz Williams even. But this for sure is going to test them. I, I said earlier in the week, um, and I was just wrong about it, that I, I felt the line would be higher single, high single digits, but obviously it's only at four. And I, again, I think it's more of a grade of the history of these teams. Auburn has this 28-game home winning streak, yep. but, uh, but nevertheless, Texas A&M has not been faced by this environment too often. Uh, so... I think when looking at A&M, we do think of them as usually a lower-scoring team. They've had a couple breakout performances, though, in conference play. 82 against Missouri, 94 at South Carolina. Again, South Carolina, we understand, but uh, still more than Auburn scored at South Carolina. Right. Uh, so this team actually averages a couple more points per game than, than the Tigers, and I guess it's not absolutely shocking. Auburn's had offensive woes at times this year, but – uh, this still figures to be a low-scoring game uh, overall, but A&M, as you said, Cam, I think spot on, this team functions a lot like Mississippi State, but is still more offensively competent. Yep. The, the thing that worries me uh, for this game is, so the one thing that we've talked about with this Auburn basketball team is they have to be able to have their inside game working great. Jani Broom has to be the leader of that inside game, and obviously Dylan Cardwell needs to come in and and play well when he's on the floor. 
Uh, but it all starts with Janai Broom on the inside. Auburn does not need to catch themselves having to rely on threes. They they do not need to shoot 25-plus three-pointers in this game. And that's what worries me is this this Aggies team that's coming in here is sixth in the nation in scoring defense. They, they allow 58.3 points per game. So that's not much. I mean, sixth in the nation in scoring defense. Yeah. In other words, their defense is damn good. They are really good because of their bigs on the inside. Now, they, they've got some other stuff going on, but they do well on the inside. And that's what scares me. It scares me that Auburn's inside game could be forced to get it out. And if that that's a recipe for disaster for Auburn if they're having to shoot a lot of threes. Now, if they do, hopefully they shoot them like they did the last time in Neville Arena and Jalen uh, Williams lit it up because that would be nice. Uh, but you got to have somebody because if you looked at that, even that game, nobody else shot threes very well. Jalen just had a hot night. Um, but you've got to get it on the inside. You you have to. You if Auburn's going to win the game and win any games going forward, they're going to have to do it on the inside because they're just not a good enough three point shooting team that they can rely on that. Yeah, and that's what I've been saying probably for what two maybe th- I mean maybe since right. Maybe since the UGA game, this team needs to start playing inside out. And, um, you know, what I mean by that is basically what you said, um, Tom, is get to the inside, get comfortable, get your shots up, and everything will work itself out. Um, every, the the sp- the floor will be spread out a little bit more. It'll be easier to make those threes or at least take them. Um, if you're Auburn, just get better shots. And... Um, everything else will kind of fall into place. You get Jalen going a little bit. You get Janai going. Um, those threats to the inside will kind of make the defense suck in more to kind of prevent from scoring those twos, and the threes will just open up exponentially more, um, or even just those inner kind of mid-range shots that Wen likes to take um, on the elbows. Those will be a little bit more open and easier to take off maybe like a pick-and-roll type situation. So uh, things like that, if you're Auburn, you kind of need to really get into and focus on um, and just, like I said, stay in your game. And that's kind of what Auburn's game has become now, not taking as many threes, focusing on the inside because that's where they're stronger and um, being able to dominate those matchups just like what Janai did, I mean, against South Carolina, 27-11. and 11. Um, And, I, I mean, I don't think – Auburn made 66% of their inside shots, something along the lines of that. I mean, they went inside almost every single time, and it paid off. Obviously, the bigs for Texas A&M are going to be a little bit tougher, but I still think um, – and they'll be a little bit chippier. But I think I think Auburn will still be able to win those matchups. Tom, what was the stat that you read about uh, scoring defense for Texas A&M? Uh, five point uh five or was it fifty six? Because that's not what I ha- I have over here, and I don't see how they're six in the country with this. They allow sixty six point one points per game. That's more than Auburn allows per game. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to the story. Unless uh, it's unless it's just within conference play. I bet which it is. is which it may be which conference. Is it may be yeah, conference. I bet play. it is conference play. Go uh, because looking at their conference resume. Allowed 63 to Florida, 56 to LSU, 64 to Missouri, 53 to South Carolina, 52 to Florida, 76 to Kentucky. I don't know. That still feels like 60s to me. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. I'm trying because to, I was gonna trying say, to go I mean, back and find where I, where I just saw this. Still a good defensive team. 
it says this this story specifically says the Aggies come into the game ranked sixth in the nation in scoring defense, allowing fifty eight point three points per game. Hmm. Uh, someone is not not uh, not being not doing honest their here. Research. <laughs> let me uh, let me find another of my favorite uh, avenues to research this sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not true. Whoever wrote that's just wrong. Uh, they're uh, sixty six point one points per game. That is eighty fifth in the country. Right. I mean, that's still oh, okay. better than that's still better than seventy five percent of the country. Still a good defensive team. But what started to clue me in here is I was going to say, well, you know, this team does a really good job without having to be uh, fantastic in certain statistical areas because Auburn actually. Um, it does a better job in the steals and blocks department. They Auburn has a little over eight steals a game, A&M seven and a half. And then blocks, Texas A&M only 2.7 blocks per game to Auburn's uh, nearly uh, six of a game. So uh, Auburn statistically better defensively even than, than Texas A&M. Not saying A&M's bad. We clearly know that, uh, the, again, better than 75% of the country, but – uh, Auburn can absolutely hold its own there as being considered an even better defense, actually, than Texas A&M. Nevertheless, the over-under on this game is 137.5. So quick math, that's a 70-68 uh, type of game. I guess if you favor Auburn by four, maybe you go 71-67 is kind of the, uh, the mark there. So honestly, an average scoring game yeah. kind of anticipated inside of, of Neville Arena. Uh, for this one, wonder if I just did some math and wonder, that was um, he was referring to SEC play. You said what was the number? Fifty. It just, it just said six. Well, I, I'm actually looking at the stats. Mississippi State is actually sixth in the country in scoring defense at fifty-eight point three. Oh, someone uh, got their maroon teams mixed confused up, confused in the mm-hmm. SEC. But uh, we will forgive. Still, again, a uh, formidable opponent coming into Neville Arena tonight. Again, one of four teams with one loss or fewer in the Southeastern Conference thus far. We will continue to preview that game throughout. But when we come back, we're going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Tom Peavy with you here. Just chatting a little bit about Auburn basketball against Texas A&M. We will have more preview of that matchup throughout the show today. Again, Andy Bertram coming up at 4.30. Joe Bartle at 5.15. Sports Call Player of the Week coming up in a little bit. So a lot to do today on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. With that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. First up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Much better. Uh, we have a little bit of a scare early this morning with uh, tornadoes coming around our area. Uh-oh. Yeah, I saw that. I saw a few uh, tornado warnings over in, in Baldwin County and, and Mobile County, too, but uh, glad everything's all right down there. 
Yeah, we uh, we survived it unscathed. But thanks for asking, uh, guys. Let's let's get to about tonight's game. From everything I've been reading, and you guys hopefully are a lot smarter than I am. Uh, everything I've been reading tells me this is going to be some kind of a, a rock fight. Is that how you guys see it? Yeah, that's the kind of uh, the the common sentiment here. Uh, again, we talked about the over under just a moment again. Go at one thirty seven and a half, so that's an approximately a seventy one to sixty seven type of game. You know, that's not necessarily an ugly score. I mean, that's near an average college basketball score. So, if it ends up being what the over under thinks it could be, I don't think it'll be ugly. I don't think it'll be. Uh, maybe even as much of a rock fight as the Mississippi State game was. But there is the potential because A&M has had successes in Auburn. Uh, there is the potential for A&M to be surprisingly good. And A&M's defense, we just went over, not quite as good as Auburn's, but still solid. So Auburn's going to, again, out on their home court, need to, again, make sure they generate good offense. I, I'm sure Auburn will play good defense. I do not expect A&M to waltz in here and score 80. But, uh, it, again, it's kind of on Auburn when they're at home on if they're able to kind of break free, hit some threes, get good down low, and, and be able to score a lot themselves. Okay. Uh, I want to bring some uh, I guess numbers up to your attention about that. Um, the Aggies, uh, this comes from Nathan King, are one of the most successfully, according to him, aggressive teams in college basketball, ranking number four in free throws per possession, 3.5, which tells me they, in fact, uh, one of their uh, people from 247 Sports so, uh, website said that uh, one of the angles or one of the strategies that uh, A&M uh, uses is to create uh, foul situations. If they get other uh, the opponents to foul them. Uh, so that's apparently, um, I guess, uh, explains why they're number four in free throws per possession. Yeah, and and look in other years, and I think you know, I, I don't know where they rank in other years. Uh, when you have a team that goes to the foul line a lot, it becomes very difficult for that other team to really start to run and get in transition. We know in past years, the faster Auburn went offensively, the more successful in general it was this year because auburn has not shot the three as well they don't have quite as many rim rockers as they have in your past years past the transition is not necessarily as vital to their offensive success so what i would say is when you have more free throws you have a choppier game and in the past that might affect auburn a lot more but i don't necessarily think that will be uh, a, a big prohibiting factor for the tigers tonight Okay, and I didn't know that Pearl has struggled this mightily against A&M. But it says here, again from uh, 247, uh, Nathan King, Pearl has only uh, three wins as Auburn's head coach, the fewest against any SEC team since he's been our coach. They right. match up well. Right, yeah. I mean, A&M's done well. Uh, who, who was the coach before? I, I keep blanking on the name. Billy Kennedy, was that who it was before – uh, Buzz Williams, because obviously Buzz Williams gotten a couple here in recent years, but Billy Kennedy had a couple good A&M teams too, and I think they came here and won once with Kennedy. So it, it's been multiple coaches, honestly, at A&M that have been able to get some over Auburn. Which to me is kind of surprising because A&M has not been a, uh, I guess, a industrial complex when it comes to basketball program, has it? No, not, not really. Either has Auburn. Uh, I mean, until as of late, right? Sure. Uh, I mean, for, for Pearls have had only three wins against that team, and that's the lowest. But the fewest against any SEC team is remarkable. Right, and I mean, because even still, I would say that Auburn has been a more successful program during 
these last five or six years. And, oh, yeah. And obviously the losses against A&M are not just in the first couple Bruce Pearl years. We've talked about that, that the first two or three Bruce Pearl teams were definitely not like these last five years or so. So any any damage done those years is a little bit different. But uh, clearly beating Auburn in the SEC tournament last year, a trip to uh, Auburn Arena a couple of years ago that went in A&M's favor. I mean, that, that's – that's in this time frame where Bruce Pearl has made Auburn what it is today. And so A&M has really not been phased by any rendition of Bruce Pearl team so far. I think the worst beatdown was probably, I think I read it on here, uh, Texas' last loss uh, was at Neville Arena when uh, Kessler uh, had a triple. you remember that? Uh, yeah, early. Yeah, they yeah. beat them earlier in the year last year, uh, and beat them like seventy-five, fifty-eight, or something like that. And then yeah. again, turn around and lost in the tournament. Now I'm going to be looking for this tonight. Uh, according to this stat here, A&M has not given up more than thirty points in the first half of any SEC game this season. Not not more than thirty points in which half? In the first, first half. half. First half. Okay, so they start very strong defensively. Okay. Yeah. Which of was. Which, by the way, Steve, that's exactly how the game went in Tampa last year. Auburn only scored 21 in the first half last year, got down 16, and then scored 42 in the second half to try and come back and win. Yeah. Now, there's some people, guys, and you know, you, uh, I think, Brian, you said that uh, you know you expect to be somewhat physical. Well, uh, one uh, 247 uh, poster uh, made this remark about uh, the Kentucky game uh, this over the weekend, and I didn't, I didn't see the game. But uh, you tell me, guys, if this is correct. Uh, this poster said that uh, the A&M UK game apparently got pretty uh, nasty physically. Uh, he said that uh, Maribel is that his name. Uh, say that name, Marble. 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 Yeah, Marble. Well, yeah. Spell M A R A. Okay, Marble. Uh, they said he and Oscar Hubey got into it. Yes, they did. They both and got. He was pulling Oscar's arm to keep him from running or outrunning him down the floor. And then Oscar bopped him in the face. He said, and then. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, they got Cal Perry was a gasp, and yeah, yeah, I remember that. I, I do. Uh, were those fouls called on them? Yeah, they yeah, they both yeah. got teched up. Okay, so they reviewed uh, it, and they were they reviewed the entire sequence of what happened, um, and uh, Janai and Marble both got teched up. Or Chiway, or Chiway, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. So, do you think that they're going to be uh, try to do the same kind of stuff maybe against uh, Janai Broom? I mean, you never know. I mean, bigs in the paint. I mean, they they have look no anytime type of attitude. <laughs> anytime you you ramp up the physicality, even if it starts clean at first, you start banging around a little bit. We know Janai Broom does the too small celebration, which is you know can air on the chippy side uh, and rub people the wrong way if opponents. So. I definitely think it's in play. Wouldn't guarantee it, but if they start banging down low with bigs, they absolutely have the tendency to get chippy. Okay, and I know there's some people that uh, I'm hopefully, if I know them, I know Coach Furrow's staff knows that uh, we're going to have to definitely uh, be on, and that's Way Taylor. Yeah, got Henry Coleman. Leaning score. Yep, Henry Coleman. All right, and uh, uh, of course Marvel. And what about Dexter Dennis? Uh, Dennis is used a lot. He's a little less of a factor um, because he's got uh, he's very inefficient players under forty percent from the field and only at twenty six percent from three. I would say uh, Radford, Radford would be Tyrese yep. Radford would be the other main one. He averages about thirteen a game. Okay, then there's some injury report that just came from Nathan King on AM side tonight. 
uh, Solomon Washington, he says it's doubtful because uh, he had a concussion against Florida, and then Manny Obasiki, Frank fractured a pinky. Are uh, these uh, impactful players that we uh, should be graded out or what? Yeah, so uh, you said with Washington, no, not really. Uh, three points, three rebounds a game. That's uh, okay. not Manny a big factor. Obasiki? But Obasiki and his pinky, uh, seven points a game was their sixth leading score, but only played 17 minutes a game. So he's still not one of their top three guards. He was their number four guard, essentially. Okay, all right. So just uh, role players. Okay, well, I'm hoping that will be impactful. And then I enjoyed the uh, conversation you had yesterday with Ferguson. Ms. Ferguson, uh, he made a comment about uh, Mr. Hunter, who will be returning, and he pretty much confirmed what I read about uh, Mr. Hunter uh, and his performance from Sad Tiger. Right. He was right on target. Uh, he actually has done better, uh, and I never would have thought this, than Tank Bigsby has. Right, on efficiency, yeah, with the yards per carry and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, he said here um, that uh, uh, apparently uh, that he was averaging more uh, yards per carry uh, than uh, Tank Bigsby was, and he's a lot more explosive. So I said, wow. He thinks, uh, in fact, uh, Fat Tiger says that uh, he sees him being a uh, uh, probably 1,000 yards uh, this season. Uh, well, what do you think, guys? you think that's probably likable uh, to be done? Yeah, I mean, I think he will be the starting running back. Uh, Hugh Freeze uses a pretty balanced system overall, and so there absolutely is room for a running back to have a big year. Uh, obviously, they brought in Beatty or, or Batty, however you, you say it, from South Florida, who was a 1,000-yard rusher there, so I think he'll be the number two back, and we'll see if he can perform well early and start to split some carries with Jarquez. Uh, but I definitely think, I mean, just, just with Auburn football in general, they've had so many 1,000-yard rushers over the last 15, 20 years that, that you definitely give the lead back a good opportunity to, to, to end up with 1,000 yards. And I never guessed that uh, Quest Hunter career average of 6.6 yards per rush uh, exceeded Bigsby's 5.4 average. Right. And, and, you know, what I will say about this, I don't want to uh, completely uh, – uh, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit and just say that a lot of times if you go and look at it, if you have a pretty competent backup or number two running back, a lot of times they do average as many or more yards per carry because those lead backs will be forced into a lot of short yardage situations, a lot of third and one, a lot of goal line stuff. And because of that, they'll have a lot of two yard carries, a lot of three yard carries, one yard carries, which might still be uh, what you needed out of that play, but they're not going to be the explosive plays. And so when you're the backup and you only have eight, nine, ten carries in a game, if you break one off for 30 or 40 yards, there's, I mean, you could get five more yards in your other seven carries. You've got five yards of carry right there. So uh, I, I think some of it is purely a numbers game. Again, not taking away from Jarquez. As we just said, I think he will rush for 1,000 yards this year. But I think if you went through a lot of different teams, you could easily see the backup getting a very similar yards per carry mark. So well, if I'm hearing you correctly, could it be that these numbers are somewhat misleading because it sounds like maybe uh, – since Bigsby was the, the, the lead, uh, you know, a running back for it, he kind of wears out uh, the starters on the uh, defensive up front, and then comes in Hunter after they've been tired and worn out, and he's able to kind of like get more cleanup yards. 
Well, I mean, not necessarily in that way. I wouldn't say necessarily that the tiring aspect of it, but what I would say is just, again, if think about it like this. If, if, if Tank Bigsby has 30 carries in a game and he has you know, two 40-yard runs, something like that, well, there's still 28 other carries where he could have one, two, three, a short yardage. But some of those situations are going to be good. Some of those are going to be third and one from the 15, and he gets two yards. Well, two yards is going to hurt your yards per carry a decent amount, but it's exactly what you needed on that play. Whereas the backup running back, in this case, Jarquez Hunter, there's not necessarily a lot of those short yarded situations that they're going to be asked uh, to come in at. And so if they have a 40-yard run, they have a 50-yard run, well, that's 50 yards in one carry. They're only going to get nine or ten carries for the game. Boom, that already guarantees them a great average if they break one. So uh, I think Jarquez is very talented. I'm not saying anything of the sort. But, uh, again, I think that if you looked uh, through time and you looked at the number two back in a lot of cases, I think you could come up with a very similar to- total. So let me give you this. This is one random one. This is cherry pick. The, this is just quick research. 2017, everyone and their brother, Carryon Johnson, best running back on the team, clearly was awesome, had 1,400 yards that year, 18 TDs. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry. His backup was Cam Martin. Cam Martin averaged 6.1 yards a carry. He actually averaged more than a yard per carry more than Carryon Johnson in 2017 when we'd all agree that Carryon Johnson was phenomenal. Cam Martin did not end up being Carryon Johnson. So, I again, it's not like that with every single team, but that dynamic of just fewer carries, and if you just pop one, it weights a lot heavier, that can kind of skew the yards per carry. Okay, I guess. So there, there could be a bias there. And in, in, in the statistics and how they're sure. Uh, mis, um, Sample size matters there. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, how about this from the NFL world? I saw this from Bleacher Report, and apparently there is a bidding war on the uh, Washington Commanders. Uh, uh, it says here there's a standoff between uh, Dan Snyder, apparently who's wanting to sell. The team, right? But he apparently may not want, according to this article, may not want to sell it to Jeff Bezos. Why? Because Jeff Bezos, who owns Washington Post, uh, apparently did some reporting on sexual assault allegations by Snyder. Do you happen to know what the bidding war is going right now for a team that hasn't done very much in the NFL lately? Have they? Uh, they haven't done very much, but it, I mean it's the NFL, so I'm sure it's over well over a billion dollars, maybe multiple, maybe two or three billion dollars, oh, yeah. and and it's higher, it's higher, Ron, seven billion, seven billion, sure. I mean, honestly, you could tell me any number in the single billions, and uh, I would believe yeah. just because of the NFL, because these franchises get valued at a certain rate. But of course, if you're selling something that you you want to profit off of, or you're selling something that you know to be very valuable and it continues to increase in value, you're going to get more than the valuation for it because of exactly what you're talking about, a bidding war. If there was only one person in the world that wanted to buy it, you wouldn't be able to sell it for a really high price. But if you have multiple people that want to get in on this incredibly lucrative league, you're going to be able to sell a franchise for more than it's actually worth, according to Forbes or Wall Street Journal or whatever report values these franchises. So Washington's not valued at $7 billion. It's probably valued at 2 or $3 billion, maybe 4 But they're going to get more for it because they've got multiple bidders. They're going to drive the price up. Well, this is what, so to me, made me laugh because the Bleach Report writer who did this column 
even if your team has no playoff wins in this century and a stadium is falling apart, yeah. they get $7 billion yeah. bid. Crazy. Crazy, isn't and it? And then uh, your comments yesterday about the other voting, I was astounded when you said that 4% of the people didn't even bother to vote. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't. Why would they do that? <laughs> oh, I'd Steve. I yeah, yeah. I could uh, yell loudly for a while about that. Yeah. I don't know. But what would explain that you wouldn't even vote that many people? I think it was there. You know, some people turn in blank ballots. Blank ballots. Excuse me. Which I also don't love. But I think these four percent are just were going to vote for nobody. So instead of turning in a blank ballot, they didn't want their name attached to a blank ballot. So they just kind of remain anonymous. Anonymous and. Uh, don't don't return one. Uh, so I, I think it's just well, kind of hiding removed. behind that, huh? Those people should be identified, and removed from the balloting. The they time should. Around. If you're not going to vote, I agree with you. I, I don't know if they Did will. Did they ever do that? Did they ever do that to them? Not to my knowledge. They don't publicize it, at least. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and tonight, guys, you guys, are you guys going to the game? I, I will be at the game. I will not be at the game. Uh, no, not not I. Too late for me. No. Past my bedtime. <clears throat> okay. And uh, finally, yeah, I'll say finally, uh, Ms. Ferguson uh, has me wondering, should I really take the chance and watch this, what I thought was an insane trailer movie to this 11-nomination <laughs> Academy Award? Uh-huh. Uh, everything, everywhere, what uh, was it again? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I saw the trailer, and uh, I said, I'm not going to go see this. <laughs> you know, uh, it looks like the, the producer, the director, and everybody else was high on on something uh, when they made this up. Uh, but it got eleven nominations. Is that right? Yeah, and, and it won several. It won already at the Critics' Choice Awards, I believe, several times. Okay, well, maybe I'm just not. It's a good thing I'm not a critic then. All right, thanks, to you guys. Uh, I look forward to hearing Mr. Andy Burcham's comments this afternoon. And uh, you guys are always appreciated for letting me have some time to ramble, maybe make some sense. So enjoy the game, Mr. Ronald Boy. Hopefully, yes, we'll sir. come out a winner. Uh, hopefully, this will not be an ugly uh, rock fight game. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. But uh, until tomorrow, guys, have a safe evening. And uh, War-, War Eagle, Steve, uh, we appreciate that phone call. As always, that is retired War Dam Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our final timeout here of hour number one. We'll wrap up hour number one in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. Getting you set for Auburn in Texas A&M tonight. Again, a lot coming up in the show in the 4 o'clock hour. Player of the week, Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers at 4.30. In the 5 o'clock hour, Joe Bartle of Rotowire. His thoughts on the NFL playoffs. And also a little update on the Auburn basketball guys in the NBA 
Uh, Walker Kessler making some headlines today. We'll tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. Tom, I believe you did some uh, research during the break there. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about Texas A&M and their free throws, and uh, they, they do have a very high percentage in some free throw stats in the nation. So they're, uh, A&M will enter this game their seventh in free throws attempted per game. That's at a 20, lot. At 24.5. Jeez, so, they like to get to the line. Yeah. Um, and they are fifth in the country in free throws made uh, at eighteen point four per game, but if you then if you crunch those numbers compared to the rest of the country, they're they're forty seventh in free throw percentage. Well, at seventy four point eight nine percent. But let's let's do some logic there. If they take the seventh most, but make the fifth most, yeah, then the teams around them miss more than they right. do. No. So there might be some teams that shoot fifteen a game that shoot a higher percentage. Right. Than, but uh, of the teams shooting. 24 25 like they are they're they're hitting them fine and and then individually i went down just through the top 50 i didn't see a single uh, unless i missed one scrolling through the stats i didn't see a single a&m individual player in the top 50 of any free throw category which means that they all uh they all get fouled right they all go to the rim they all and look i saw something where i think the sec is the worst conference in basketball at shooting the three so oh, there's wow. a lot of teams in this league that don't shoot it well yeah. and a&m is actually average to above average for the sec and you know what they're shooting 31 percent from three that's still Sheesh. not very good yeah. Yeah. auburn's around 31 percent from three now that's Oof, still not very good <laughs> so the the sec not hitting threes this year i think kentucky hits them at a pretty good kentucky rate and does it's pretty well right in those threes. I think uh, Alabama does too, but there's there's not many teams that shoot the three well uh, in um, the southeastern. Yeah, conference. I'm looking at uh, three point percentage. I'm all the way down into the 30s, and I have not seen an SEC, SEC team, team yet. <laughs> I'm to the 50s. I bet I you, if you fast forward down the 200s and 300s, you'd find a lot of them though. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna see who the leading SEC team is at least. Again, Kentucky yeah, or Bama would be Kentucky. my first guess. Yeah. Maybe Kentucky, I think uh, Kentucky is 54. Yeah. 54. 30, uh, 36.8%. From three? From yeah. three. Yeah. that's so, so 54th in the nation, and that's your best SEC yeah. three-point shooting team. And, again, there's some t- there's sub-30 teams. Auburn's played a couple of them. Mississippi State, yep. sub-30. Uh, I want to say either LSU or Arkansas, sub-32. Yeah. Where are the rest of the SEC teams? I'm, not, I'm still not even seeing I'm down to 100, and I, I've only seen Kentucky. I told so you it's the worst shooting conference Oh, my bad. Gosh. Rough. I had no it's idea. It's terrible. It's very, very rough. Right, let's go to the third page. <laughs> Do SEC we have enough just, time for this? SEC yeah, we, two and a half minutes. Keep scrolling. Beats themselves up, man. The SEC is really beating itself up. At least, like, if you're talking – I mean, as well as, like, the Big oh, 12 is beating itself gracious. up as well. But all those teams are really ranked, what perc- and, and they play very well. What percentage are you at now? When I, I, okay, I've, I finally got to another SEC team. Okay. Alabama. Alabama. 33 yeah. or 34%, I would say. They, they rank 143rd, and they're 34.6. Sheesh. A 2% difference is – massive it was almost One, 100 spots One, yeah. 100 right, the At, second best shooting team is the 143rd in the country. almost half the country's 360 good or so teams. lord I'm telling you, just please. Yeah, uh, we got two minutes. This is the segment at this point. <laughs> Go ahead and oh, just I'm, scroll down to like where 30% is because that's where a lot of these SEC teams 31, 30, 29%. Right. Uh, see them down into the 33s. I've got to go to another page now. This is 
great stuff. I bet yeah. Tennessee is probably bricks third. abound. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just played a Mississippi State team that hit zero of right. eighteen. Yeah. And again, for uh, everyone's knowledge, Auburn currently at the moment uh, they are. Now, actually, they sunk back below 30. I'm sorry. They're 20, oh. 29.9% from three, and I told you A&M was Oof. in the 31s. Woof. So 20, 29, not good. Just That's in case rough, anyone was wondering. Man. Just because it's college does not mean they all of a sudden cannot shoot at all. Uh, I know the NBA, 29%. You should not be shooting them right. anymore. No, I, I just I stumbled. At all. Just, uh, without just going through, I just stumbled across Texas A&M, 295th in the country. At 295? 295. I'm telling you, they're that's, still not bad for the SEC. 31.4. That's average that's for the crazy. SEC. At 295. So you didn't even find Tennessee then? I, I, I've just been trying to get down to the 30s. I'm trying to get to the really, really he might, bad ones. He might have passed a couple. but Oh, I'm sure I passed a few. Well, because, I mean, there's South Carolina at 304. Jeez. Wow. Tennessee, for the record. Ole Miss, 317. Is, Tennessee's 34-2, so they would have been right behind Bama. They would have been okay. like the 160s or so. Okay, okay. Auburn is currently 330th Jeez. at wow. 29.87 per game. Oh, that's tough. It rounds up to 29.9, just saying, guys. Well, that's, that's, that's 329, hard. one ahead of Auburn is Georgia State, and one behind them is Presbyterian. My goodness. Presbyterian. Well. And shoot that thing. <laughs> Mississippi State, who went over against Auburn, is 343rd. That's almost twenty-eight last, guys. 28.47 Jeez. per game. Yeah. Who is, let's see, let me see who, who the is worst. last. Feed the bigs. Who is the last. worst shooting three-point Feed team? the bigs. Monmouth. Oh, Monmouth? Yeah. They have. Three, six. They have hit, goodness. They have hit 84 of 322. <laughs> wow. 26, That's about 25%. 26.09%. Jeez. 84 of 322. All right. So brick laying conventions Oof. from three, usually in the SEC. Out of time for hour number one, a loaded hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Beginning of hour number two here of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, 
presented by Coca-Cola. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. And I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here on this Wednesday. Fun first hour, but the fun will continue for these next two hours. Again, coming up in about 30 minutes, Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. He'll talk the move uh, to Jason Campbell in the, in the booth. We'll also talk about Auburn basketball, the various streaks they have going for uh, this Auburn basketball program. And then a little bit later, uh, we'll have Joe Bartle at 5.15. And uh, in this hour, though, we've got to start it off with a segment we do each and every day. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union today. We got Kevin Williams, who turns 52, former NFL wide receiver, selected 46 overall in the 1993 NFL draft by the Dallas Cowboys out of the U. Two time Super Bowl champion, 1997 NFL kickoff return yards leader, also playing for the Arizona Cardinals, Buffalo Bills, and San Francisco 49ers. At Miami, Williams was the 1991 Big East Special Teams Player of the Year, 1991 All-American, 1991 All-Big East, and 1992 Second Team All-Big East. Of course, Miami was notably, obviously, in the Big East at that time. I'm still, I'm now very used to them being an ACC program, yeah, right? Uh, but definitely started to make their hay as a Big East team, uh, which is where Kevin Williams reigned. He turns 52 today. Lou Groza would have been 99 today, former NFL kicker, tackle, center, defensive tackle, went undrafted in the 1946 NFL draft out of Ohio State before joining the Cleveland Browns. 1954 NFL MVP, take that for kickers everywhere, everywhere, four-time NFL champion, four-time All-American football conference champion, and uh, All-Pro four times, second-team All-Pro two times, nine-time Pro Bowler, was the scoring leader in the NFL in 1957, member of the 1950s All-Decade Team and NFL 50th Anniversary All-Time Team, member of the Cleveland Browns Ring of Honor, jersey number 76, retired by the Browns, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and of course the College Football Kicking Award is known as the Lou Groza Award. Lou Groza would have been 99 today. And then Mario Edwards Jr. turns 29 Current defensive end for the Tennessee Titans, selected 35th overall in the 2015 NFL Draft by the Oakland Raiders out of Florida State. Mm-hmm. Also played for the New York Giants, New Orleans Saints, Chicago Bears. And while at Florida State, Edwards was 2014 BCS National Champion, 2014, 2014 First Team All-ACC, <laughs> and 2013 Third Team All-ACC. Mario Edwards Jr. turns 29 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. All right, speaking of some NFL draft, we just heard of three NFL guys actually there. All had their various turns in the NFL draft. Mel Kuyper Jr. released a new NFL mock draft today. And some notable changes to it from what he's had in the past. Uh, But also uh, for Auburn people, Derek Hall uh, has uh, has Derek Hall in the first round of the mock draft. Tom, what what kind of stood out to you about all of that? Uh, Well, the first thing I want to talk about, just kind of his top. uh, And before we went on the air, I said Will Anderson, but it's not Will Anderson. Jalen Carter. From Georgia. Yep. Jalen Carter, he's got him number one to the Bears. Uh, The big thing that sticks out to me, with what Mel Kuyper has is he has CJ Stroud going number two to the Houston Texans quarterback out of Ohio state. Uh, I think most people really thought that Bryce young would probably be the first quarterback off the board. 
Uh, but according to him, it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Then he has Will Anderson third to the Cardinals, the edge uh, rusher from Bama. Then he has Bryce Young going to the Colts at four. Yeah. And then Will Levis going fifth to the Seahawks. I'm not sold on the whole Will Levis hype. Nope. Yeah, me either. You don't have to convince me of <laughs> nah, that. Yeah, not yeah, sold on either. that, but they. But Mel Kuyper has him fifth to the Seahawks. And he's got Richardson in the top and ten, he's too. And he's, yeah. he's got Anthony Richardson ninth to the Panthers. The quarterback from Florida. <sighs> I that this is a very interesting mock draft because of how many quarterbacks were taken. I'm also not sold on Will Levis, and to draft, if you're the Panthers, to draft Anthony Richardson at nine, and Mel Kiper saying, "Let's get this out of the way now." I wouldn't play Richardson in year one. He needs time to develop. Okay, I, I guess you could. Then, then what makes him worth taking at nine? If you're if you're the the Panthers, I feel like you could have you could go elsewhere and draft elsewhere and um, wait for next year uh, where there's a quarterback that you're is that is more ready, you know, to play. Um, so that that's definitely interesting. Um, and then with Stroud and, and Bryce Young, I think you could just – it's just really a matter of preference. I don't think you could go wrong with either, honestly. Um, both are extremely talented. Both were in the top for the Heisman, Bryce Young being a winner uh, last year. So you, it's just a matter of preference, honestly. And I could see where they would want to go with Strouds. He has all the intangibles as well as the talent um, and the height, um, the thing that people are going to go – kind of knock Bryce Young for is you know he's smaller and is he going to be able to take those NFL hits so where do he where do Kuiper have uh, Richardson going again eighth to who ninth or ninth to the Panthers, to the Panthers yeah to the Panthers uh, yeah do you see I, don't, I just don't I, know that either. doesn't sound like a situation that he would wait a year or two develop and then go into right and I think you'd say the same thing about Levis there at least with Indianapolis I, I think they could do another year, Matt Ryan, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, but with those two guys, I know that everyone's in love with the arm strength, and I love Richardson's mobility. But also, for like nine games this year, Richardson just would throw it to no one in particular, had turnover 53.8% issues. 53.8% of his I passes. mean, yeah, that's a 54% complete. That's bad. And, and look, I... I know it's not everything, and the one person that makes that stat look still doable is Josh Allen. Because if you go back to his Wyoming dates, I think yeah. it was like 56% yeah. one year at Wyoming, and now Josh Allen's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And that and that very statistic is what I use to say, this is stupid. A Wyoming quarterback completing 56% of his passes is not going to <laughs> do any better right. than the NFL. Right. And then he made me look stupid. Um, well, so, he led the league in turnovers this year. Well, I, so, but, but, but nevertheless. But he's still, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, has clearly um, achieved great success there. And Richardson, I, I guess you would be trying to be a Josh Allen. You'd parlay that from Josh Allen did it. Richardson can do it. But the, the point here is – it's not like I don't want Will Levis or Anthony Richardson drafted at all. I'm not saying they don't belong it's ever in an high. NFL. But being in the top half of the very first round, after we just had this draft where teams actually had patience and they waited for 
uh, these top quarterbacks. They waited a little bit for Pickett. He was in the first round. They waited a little bit for Ritter and for Corral and Sam Howell and all these guys, Malik Willis. They actually waited the second and third and fourth rounds to to draft all these guys, which is their true draft value of guys that you don't you're not sure will ever become constant NFL starters. To me, I look more at Levis and Richardson as that. There's a scenario where they end up really, really good, but there's but number five overall, yeah, fifth overall, yeah. number nine overall. If you said late first, early second for Levis, I'm fine with that. He's got a big arm. He does have a lot of potential pocket passer. If you said eh, late second or early third with Richardson, I'm fine with that. There's gobs of potential if you can ever get the mechanics down. But I truly there's, think he'd still be there if they don't take him. Lots of work yeah. to do yeah. on those two, especially but, especially Richardson. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's one thing that's been talked about. I, I mean, really, outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and really to me, I, I like C.J. Stroud. I think he's good, but I, I mean – I think Bryce Young is better than C.J. Stroud. Just I think they're on the same level. Yeah, they're Did, the same. Dude, I think Stroud's Stroud been very so undervalued this time in Ohio State. So tough. If I, you look at his numbers, there's there's no crazy. Dis- difference. What, what I, I and I get maybe he's not, great maybe, against Georgia. Maybe I'm biased because I've seen more of Bryce Young than I have of C.J. Stroud. I just I I have just loved what I have seen of Bryce Young with his composure in the pocket and the way that he just feels that pressure coming sure. around him. Just the things that he does. But anyway, outside of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, this is a very weak quarterback class. I mean, I mean, for goodness sakes, if Will Levis is fifth and Anthony Richardson is ninth, there's no other court. Mel Kuyper does not have any other quarterbacks ranked in the first round. Right. Well, I mean, you say that, but it's still better than last year's class. Right. Which oh, awesome. sure. So it, it might be because you have two for honestly, sure franchise. If you, quarterbacks. if you think four are going in the top ten. Then I'm sure NFL guys would tell you whether we agree with them or not. This is actually a decent Solid, draft class because yeah. there's not there's not a whole lot of years you get more than three or four. Right. I mean, there, there's right. really not in the first round. Whether we agree with that grade or not, because again, I think we all agree we don't agree, or excuse me, we all agree that we don't agree with Mel Kiper, and yeah. we don't Ooh. think that there should be a top 10 picks for Levis and for Richardson. Again, I you could maybe convince me late first round for, for Levis right, if you've got right. a team that has a quarterback for like one or two more years and then they know it's going to be moving on. Like you could – like if, if like Green Tampa Bay – Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Tampa maybe. But <laughs> like if Green Bay said – because I don't think they're going to have Brady next year, so they're going to need a quarterback immediately. Right. But if, if Green Bay did not like Jordan Love – Right. Well, Rodgers is not going more than a couple more years. If you wanted to re-up it kind of the way that that New England was kept trying to re-up when Brady's timeline was the first time they, they had Jacoby Brissett, and they, then they had Garoppolo. They just kept trying. They drafted Stidham. They just kept trying to find the right time to develop the backup quarterback behind Brady, and he just kept going and going and going. And then, and then he left when they did not have the right, right. backup quarterback, <laughs> right. which is ironic enough. But I'm just saying with like someone like Green Bay, like Rodgers not playing more than a couple more years. So no. you might have jumped the gun with Jordan Love, right. but now might be the right time for that. Like You could talk me into that at the end of the first round. Uh, I, I could probably think of one, one or two more situations, but – that's what you should be looking at, Levis. You should not think that Levis, day one, is going to be awesome. And I think some guys get ruined by having to be the guy. Remember, if you are picking early in the draft, you're not very good. And there's probably more than one reason why you're not very good. 
So you could be putting that quarterback in a situation that overall is not good because they had a bad quarterback, but also not good because they didn't have other things as well. Maybe they didn't have an offensive line worth a damn. Maybe they have one of the weaker skill position players. Do you really want a guy going into that? Now, look, I'll say in Indianapolis' case, they've got great skill position players, relatively speaking, to the yep. teams around them in the top ten. That would make – that would be fine. So I'm, I'm criticizing all this, but Indianapolis is actually a team – uh, that, that fits just because this is not their real pick, right? I mean, this is not where they would have actually been picking uh, in the draft if they had not just completely fudged their whole team up by putting Jeff Saturday as the interim coach. Even if they had just kept Reich, they would not have been 4-12-1 or whatever they finished at. So this team is not your prototypical let's pick fifth in the draft type of team this is not the real what the Colts should have been they they put a tv guy well great jeff saturday's a legend of the sport awesome right. great center but they put a tv guy nevertheless in this position and that's what they got they they got a, a terrible football team they have a decent skill position set uh regardless carolina uh, i mean talented defense great defense or yeah talented defense you know wide receiver dj moore's good I don't know beyond that what I like out of the receiver room. Yeah, DJ Moore's good. Terrence Marshall Jr. LaVisca Chanel also fine. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, they I would, got great production from their running backs, even though right. you wouldn't necessarily think Foreman be like top ten back right. or anything. He produced like one for the for the seven or eight no. weeks, but well, no, I was going to say this. Mel Kiper is kind of he's flip flopped quite a bit on uh, from his original quarter, top quarterbacks for twenty twenty three draft because originally he had he had Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. One, two, and three. Dude, I don't understand. And now he's actually completely flopped that to go C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richards at four. Uh, and then after that, you're looking at Hendon Hooker. Um, he has his fifth. Interesting. Jaron Hall from BYU. Uh, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels from LSU. Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett at nine from Georgia, which I'm wondering if he may have actually bumped Jayden him Jaden Daniels? Up. I thought I thought, I thought he was coming, was coming back, back to LSU, uh, the, but this is in December. this is his original. Gotcha. I'm sorry because it also has just missed Bo Nix from Oregon down right. here. Gotcha. Um, th- this is his original quarterback. Okay, list. okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, he's he has switched it up. I can't find. I'm, I was looking to see if he has a current top quarterback list other than just his mock draft, but that was his original top quarterback list. But that shows you who else. Is potentially in the draft or will be in the draft. It, you know, it, it's kind of okay. Yeah, I, but again, I'm, I'm telling you though, Tom. I mean, we there's not more than four or five guys that usually come out of classes right. successful anyway. It's sure. really not well below average. Anything like, last last year, if you can't convince a team to take a quarterback in the first half of the first round. That's when it's very terrible because we're talking about some teams reaching for Levis and Richardson right. that they at least feel somewhat comfortable. Again, looking at a skill set that obviously we just don't agree with, but they at least feel comfortable enough to waste a top ten pick on on those guys. Whereas again, last year it's not like zero quarterback needs were out there last year. Yeah. Uh, so you know Pittsburgh did need one. They were obviously later in the draft, so they took Pickett then. But uh, a lot of teams took second and third, fourth round quarterbacks like. You know, oh. I, I mean, it just—I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you. I that. found his rankings. Oh. I found Kuiper's rankings. I think this mm. is updated. Uh, oh, his got, quarterback rankings. Yeah, um, he's got Levis one, Bryce Young two, C.J. Stroud three, Anthony Richardson four, Clayton Toon five, Jaron Hall, 
uh, Clayton Toon out of out of Houston, Jaron Hall five, uh, six, Hendon Hooker seven, Stetson Bennett eight, Jack Hayner out of Fresno State nine, Tanner McKee uh, out of Stanford ten, just missed uh, Max Duggan out of TCU, Tyson. Bagnet at Shepard, don't know. Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA and Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. Right. So he still has but Levis it, as his top quarterback. Yeah. I just so he's already switched don't that. Get yeah. it? I don't because now he has C.J. Stroud going in second overall to the Texans. Yeah, so prospect is not about I was where say, you expect that's who, the team. I, the, his his is that's who his personal grade. his personal yeah. grade on who he thinks, and then this is. Who he think where they think they're going to go? I'll tell you this though: the other thing that's kind of surprising to me, uh, looking at his mock draft, is it's not nearly as heavy Georgia and Alabama as you would think it would be. Now they've got plenty. I mean, Jalen Carter from Georgia is number one. Will Anderson, Bryce Young, three and four. Um, yeah. I think but battles have, at the end of the you got well yeah. Broderick Jones from Georgia at sixteen. So there's another Georgia guy, and then you got to go all the way down here to. Uh, Brian Branch, uh, potentially at thirty. I meant Branch, yeah, yeah. But yeah, battles that's, projected uh, to be like a third or second. That's round a, that's all you got from Georgia and Alabama. And like I said, normally those first rounds are just slap like loaded, four or five, with yeah. Georgia and Alabama, and it's just those few. Uh, Mississippi oh. State's got Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback from Mississippi State. So a little Mississippi State love. Um, who else did I see? Uh, Byron Young from Tennessee for the, to the Seahawks potentially. And then uh, who else did I see? Uh, I thought I saw another SEC. Inside of Auburn. Only, oh, uh, well, no, that's Will Levin. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about Derek Hall. Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's right I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I, I guess that's all I'm seeing from the SEC. You say all of that, Tom, but again, that's double-digit players. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. But uh, I think they usually have about low, low, uh, 12, 13, 14, somewhere sure. there. But but uh, what I'm saying, though, is it's it's not loaded Georgia and Alabama like I, it yeah, usually yeah. is. I, I mean, normally that first round, it's – You don't it's always have a Kentucky days. player in there. You you know, I mean – Right. Uh, <laughs> or Mississippi, or Mississippi State. State. Well, or in Auburn, I mean, if you really want to be right. honest about it. Off and hey, on, man. yeah. So. Uh, so just a couple minutes where we need to take a break here and go to Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. But uh, before we do that, want to go ahead and reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn center Janai Broom is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn's big man returned to form in a big way in Auburn's game against South Carolina. After a week of being held down by injury, Broom took advantage of an undersized matchup in Columbia to put up 27 points and 11 rebounds against the Gamecocks, leading Auburn to an 81-66 win. Broom shot over 70% from the field for the game, the best mark of his career. It also marks his sixth double-double of the year. Janai Broom is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Janai Broom, this week's Player of the Week. As you just heard from Brant right there, appreciate him uh, recording that for us. Uh, Broom dominated South Carolina. He had had a string of three or four straight games where a little less impactful than he had been, been dealing with a little bit of a foot ailment, and uh, he broke out in a big way. Some of the things I noticed against South Carolina is they had no idea how to defend the pick and roll nope. uh, with Wendell Green Jr. and Janai Broom. There was a couple times where just wide open dunks. Yeah, uh, it, Green ended up with a double-double because of that in the assist department there. Obviously, Broom there with that big double-double. Uh, just dominate that game. And again, guys, uh, tonight with 
two two really solid big men, uh, Marble and Coleman for Texas A and M. Uh, Broom's role will again be very important this evening. Yeah, and, and the thing is, for Auburn to have success, it's going to have to be with Janai Broom in that Lopos. I've, I've beat this dead horse to death. Deader, yeah. deader. Auburn does not shoot the three well. <laughs> we we just went we, through yeah, the, yeah, we the did. 29%. Uh, three-point shooting team. They're one of the worst teams in the entire country. At 320, threes. something like that. Was yeah, that 320. Um, so you you cannot rely on that. You have to rely on Janai Broom down low. Obviously, you got to have the other stuff. You got to mix that in. But Auburn has where Auburn has found their success and their wins is when Janai Broom has great games. If you take him out and you're forced to shoot from the outside, that's just not good for Auburn. And so. You really hope that he can keep growing and growing uh, the way he has been. Yeah, he had a couple bad games, but he's really kind of felt like he's gotten himself back on track. And uh, Auburn needs that. And as this schedule gets a lot tougher moving forward, they are going to have to have every single bit of him every single night they get on the floor. Yeah, going to need him. He's um, becoming a very – how do I say it? Um, a key piece, a, a cornerstone of this of this team on both sides of the ball. Um, need him to perform. Um, this team goes as far as Janai and Wendell, and um, I will say a combination of Alan Flanagan or Jalen Williams. Those 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 really four guys are our most impactful players. Um, and the team will go as far as they go. And, yeah, uh, Broom had a great game, uh, outstanding game against South Carolina. Um, and you're right, Ryan, they had no idea how to defend the pick and roll. Just They just looked absolutely lost. And uh, when and, and Janai capitalized on it, and you could see it through the stats. Janai Broom is this week's Sports Call Player of the Week for that big performance against South Carolina. Hopefully he comes up big. Again, for the Tigers tonight, we're going to take our next commercial break right now. When we come back, Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, will be with us here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. Andy will be with us in just a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV. And Cam Berry with you here, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Now let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, and we've got a great guest on today. It is the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram, now on the program with us. Hello, Andy. I hope you are well today, and uh, good to talk to you again, sir. I'm doing well, guys. Getting ready for a a big SEC defensive battle tonight, Auburn and Texas A&M. I talked to you from courtside in front of an empty jungle right now at Neville Arena. Well, we, but it won't be it won't be empty for long. No, I think we I think we can rest assured that it will be a raucous 
environment, and that may be an understatement here tonight. And we will talk a little bit about that Auburn and Texas A&M coming up in just a moment, but Andy, but but obviously want to start with the news uh, with the Sports Network this week. Uh, Jason Campbell now joining the broadcast booth uh, to be a color analyst alongside you for Auburn football. I want to first go back to Stan White, though, Andy, uh, and as he exits the booth, just a word or two on working with Stan White over the years and uh, just what he brought to the uh, broadcast booth. Well, I've been doing this long enough that when I started with what was then the Auburn Network, Stan was a redshirt freshman starting quarterback for Auburn. Wow. So uh, I've been around Stan's, just all of Stan's Auburn career and enjoyed his four years. Of course, that 93 team is one of the special teams in Auburn history, to be sure. And then uh, after his NFL days were over, he came back home and, and started to work with us, and that was back in the pay-per-view and tape-delay TV days, uh, the old CSS and, tape, uh, and pay-per-view days. And Stan and I worked together for two years uh, doing that, you know, out on the, out on the ledge of the, of the old press box at Jordan-Hare Stadium and around the league. We traveled quite a bit, and then after two years, Charlie Trotman stepped down after a fabulous career uh, in the booth with Jim Fife. And Stan then began 22 years as the, the, the analyst on, on our broadcast for football. And Stan, I think, has turned into one of the finest broadcasters, finest analysts, not only in the Southeastern Conference, but in the country. And you think about some of the huge games and huge calls he's been a part of, since he started, he he was with Jim for Jim's last couple of years uh, before Jim passed away. He was, of course, with Rod for Rod's entire career, including a 2004 SEC championship team, the national championship in 10, the kick six, and the prayer at Jordan Hare in 2013. And we will dearly miss Stan. We will dearly miss Stan, not only for his fabulous work and. He is stepping aside to spend more time with his family. He has children that uh, one is already in high school and playing high school football. And Stan works with the high school football team at John Carroll there in Birmingham. And he's got another son that will soon be in high school and a daughter. They're all active playing baseball and softball, football, basketball. And it was just time for Stan to, to spend more time with the family and spend game days with the family. And while we will miss him a great deal, we certainly understood why he stepped aside. And that, of course, then opened the door for Jason Campbell to move into his new role with us. And with Jason Campbell, Andy, obviously we've, we've heard him on these broadcasts for the last few seasons and obviously another Auburn legend at the quarterback position. Uh, what are you excited most about to work with Jason Campbell? Well, you know, some folks may not. I mean, he's been with us for five years now. Uh, as a pregame, halftime, and postgame analyst uh, with Paul Ellen and, and this past year with, with Brad Long, with our entire crew on the pregame show. We have a great deal of, of fun and camaraderie together. But we, we get another quarterback in a long line of Auburn quarterbacks that have stepped into the booth, and it started with the late Pat Sullivan back in the 80s and then Charlie Trotman and then Stan. And now Jason Campbell brings a, a, a great deal of knowledge uh, to the booth with us now as the analyst, or what we used to call the color commentator. I don't know if that's politically correct or not. I hope it is. Uh, 
but he, he now steps into that role and brings a great deal of knowledge of Auburn, of, of college football, the NFL as well, and gives us a little bit of a, a different perspective. I mean, there's some, he has a unique personality that I think will shine through in our broadcast, but mainly he knows football, and he's the X's and O's part of our broadcast now, and we're thrilled to have Jason. When, when Stan let us know, and we had an idea this was coming because of the age of his children, our, our first choice, our overwhelming choice, was Jason. I mean, he's already a part of our crew. He, he knows how we work. We know how good he will become as the color analyst, and we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Jason uh, now moving into this role and uh, we look forward to, to that first game together, that 8 football game coming up in April. And we're absolutely looking forward to that as well, Andy, as we transition now uh, to what's going to go on this evening inside of Neville Arena, this Auburn basketball team. First, a general question about Auburn basketball, because the times are still uh, very beautiful and very successful on the plains with basketball. A 28-game home winning streak, the longest in the nation, and 31 consecutive weeks ranked in the AP Top 25 poll. That a new program record. Both those streaks incredibly, incredibly impressive. Do you have one that you find to be a little more impressive, or are they both equally special at this point? Oh, boy, that's a good question. And I don't know if I have a definitive answer for you because they are both impressive. I mean, a 28-game home winning streak, which is tops in the country right now with Gonzaga's loss to Loyola Marymount last week. Uh, the fact that, that Auburn has set a school record now for 31 consecutive weeks inside the top 25, I think that's probably the most impressive, considering where this program was when Bruce Pearl took, took over nine years ago. I mean, this was a program that was struggling when he took over for Tony Barbie. And what he has done, I think, is one of the more remarkable coaching jobs in Auburn history in any sport. And, and made this, I mean, Auburn is a power now in SEC basketball. It's a sellout crowd. Every time that Auburn comes to Neville Arena, folks talk about how tough it is to come here and play and beat Auburn. And no one has done that since Florida back in 2021. So I think both streaks are highly impressive. And both streaks will be tested for the remainder of this regular season for this for this Auburn team because Auburn is one of the top four teams in the SEC, a game behind Alabama, which is undefeated in the league. The other three teams outside Auburn or other than Auburn in the top four in this league are, of course, Alabama, Kentucky, or excuse me, Auburn, let me try this again, Alabama, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Well, Auburn plays both or all three of those teams home and away before the end of this regular season. So Auburn will play host to A&M tonight, then Alabama and Tennessee, and then Auburn goes on the road to play all three of those teams before the end of the regular season. So Auburn's schedule, as tough as it has been, gets even tougher starting tonight with Texas A&M. We're talking with Andy Bertram here on Sports Call. And, uh, Andy, looking at that game, and we've talked about you know the streak that Auburn has been on. One of the big reasons for that streak has been the play of Janai Broom. Uh, with this team not shooting the three very well, how is how important is it for Janai Broom to uh, not only have had the games that he has had for the success that we've seen uh, lately, 
but also for this game with the physicality a and is going to bring, how big is it for Janiah Broom to really step up and have another big game? Uh, it's not just tonight. It's, it's any game that Auburn plays the rest of the season, and however deep Auburn goes into the postseason, Janiah Broom is absolutely essential. You look at the six, the seven games that Auburn has played in the Southeastern Conference, he has a double-double in five of those games, including the first four games that Auburn played in SEC play. Uh, fortunately, in the two games in which he has not put together a double-double, Auburn has won both of those games. So there's no question there's some attention that comes with Janai Broom, even if he is not the double-double machine that he has been since the start of Southeastern Conference play. I mean, six foot ten, he's 235 pounds, he plays bigger, I think, than he is. He has great touch around the basket. He can pull it out and if need be, can shoot the three, but has range. His range is really good from 15 feet and in. And I think his play, guys, opens up everything else for Auburn on the floor. You kick it out, you've got an open Wendell Green. You get the ball to Jalen Williams, and Jalen is almost automatic with that little floater, that teardrop that he shoots inside 10 feet going to the rim. And then you've got is that Jasper right now that is that is playing a terrific role with his Auburn team as a great defender and from time to time will step it up. And then look what Alan Flanagan has done uh, for, for the Tigers. And, and the, the double points machine that he has become for Auburn and the rebounder that he, I might say, I wouldn't say become, has returned to from a very, very good sophomore season. And Andy, this is quite the interesting week just as a whole for Auburn because I think when Auburn gets ranked like they have for 31 consecutive weeks, as we talked about, we have a tendency maybe as analysts or as fans to kind of see the other team does not have a number by uh, their name and and fall into this trap that these aren't big games or these aren't tough competition. As you mentioned, A&M is right there with Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn in the SEC standings. And then this weekend, a fascinating trip to Morgantown, West Virginia to take on the Mountaineers in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And so, Andy, when you're looking at that game too, A, I'm always curious, just you going on a trip to West Virginia, how excited you are to go to a venue that you're not accustomed to going to, but then B, for this Auburn basketball team, again, uh, another team that is dangerous despite not having a magical 1-25 through 25 by their name. Well, A&M struggled a bit in its non-conference schedule, but certainly has put it together since the start of Southeastern Conference play, and their only loss was a loss at Kentucky last week, and that's a Kentucky team that looks like it is starting to put things together after that loss at home to South Carolina. Uh, let me just say this about Texas A&M. Regardless of whether A&M has been ranked or not when it has played Auburn, A&M is 13-6 and six all-time against Auburn. And Buzz Williams, A&M's head coach, is 3-1 and one as A&M's coach against Auburn. And the only loss was Auburn's win here against Texas A&M during the regular season last year. And, of course, A&M then avenged that loss with a really dominant win against Auburn on that Friday down at the SEC tournament. So don't look at the rankings when it comes to Auburn, Texas A&M, because unfortunately for the Tigers, the Aggies have had the upper hand. Hopefully that, that changes here tonight, but Auburn will play the Aggies twice this season, tonight, and then back at Reed Arena at Gary Blair Court coming up next month. So it, it gets very, very tough for Auburn, and this Texas A&M team is one of the reasons that Auburn's schedule is so tough for the remainder of this season. 
And and then Andy, we also have again the the trip to to Morgantown this weekend for the West Virginia game. Uh, are yeah. you are you excited to to head to Morgantown again, a venue that uh, Auburn not playing in very often, and, and this the last year of the SEC Big Twelve challenge. This will be this will be the second time that I've been in the state of West Virginia. Auburn Auburn football played there, of course, uh, back in the day. I guess it was two thousand eight was the last time. And, and was, was soundly defeated uh, in Morgantown. And I got a look at the WVU Coliseum on that trip. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to what this atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday. I think it's going to be crazy. Maybe the only thing that helps you is the fact that it's a noon game, Eastern time. It's 11 o'clock our time. So, you know, maybe they're not all ready to go, you know. You know what I'm saying, right? Sure. I mean, we uh, talk from, about that from, in football a lot too. From, yeah, from a crowd perspective, on Saturday, I think it will be a very tough environment, and you're you're facing one of the all-time legends on the other sideline, and Bob Huggins. And I let's let's get by tonight. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, but I've already started my prep on on West Virginia. It's an impressive team, regardless of their record. They played a great basketball league, of course, the Big Twelve. Uh, they get Texas Tech tonight, and that's a really good Texas Tech team. They come off of a loss to TCU, which is really, really good this season. And they beat Texas, they beat TCU in, in Morgantown. So uh, this will be tough enough tonight. Saturday will take care of itself, but I expect, and I, I look forward to a brand new building that I get to cross off the list to broadcast from on Saturday. Absolutely. He's Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Andy, I'll let you go on this. Again, busy time with the Sports Network. Tiger Talk continues, obviously, basketball season. And just on the horizon, that Auburn yeah. baseball team is coming just a few weeks. So just set the scene over the coming days and weeks here with the Auburn Sports Network. Happy to. Of course, tonight our broadcast begins at 7.30. Actually, there will be a pregame to the pregame tonight. Brad Law. And Jeff Shearer on Facebook Live will go live at 7 tonight. And I think on YouTube Live as well, just a pregame, uh, taking any questions you might have. Uh, Darian Goborn, the outstanding gymnast for the Tigers, will be joining them in, in that broadcast. Our Auburn Sports Network broadcast begins tonight at 7.30 as the Tigers get ready for the Mountain or for the, for the Aggies tonight. And then uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, is, uh, is Tiger Talk night, of course, from Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Coach Pearl will join us at 6 tomorrow night on the Auburn Sports Network right here on uh, on Tiger Communications. I guess 95-9 tomorrow night, right? Uh, yes. With women's not... basketball exactly. at 93-9. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Coach Pearl uh, will join us. Caroline Lilly, Auburn's women's tennis uh, head coach. Tigers are ranked 15th in the country right now. And also tomorrow night, Chris Moore will join us on location at Baumhauer's. And then Saturday, we go from an 8 o'clock game tonight to an 11 a.m. game on Saturday morning. We'll be on the air at 10.30. Joe Champion will join me for the call from, from Morgantown. And then, of course, I know that, that baseball is scrimmaging Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. Uh, I'll be out of town Friday and Saturday. I, go, I plan to go out to, to Plainsman Park on Sunday and watch a little bit of baseball. I think they start at 2.45. Uh, each day, and that that includes uh, Sunday afternoon. So, looking forward to seeing some Auburn baseball, and then we'll start it all over again. <laughs> Absolutely, a lot to look forward to this time of year in the world of Auburn athletics. He's Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Andy, appreciate the time today, and we look forward to hearing your call tonight. 
My pleasure, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. We need to take one final break here in hour number two. We'll wrap up this hour in just a few moments. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, for joining us right there. If you missed that conversation, you can go back and check it out on this Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again like that Andy Bertram interview, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Just a minute or two left here in this hour. We also want to direct you to Sports Call's Facebook page uh, because right now we're doing a women's basketball tickets giveaway on Sports Call's Facebook page. If you search Sports Call Auburn on Facebook, you can enter to win a couple of tickets to Auburn women's basketball's game Monday night against Florida inside of Neville Arena. Again, this Monday, January 30th against Florida. Check out the Sports Call Auburn Facebook page for details of how to enter to win two free tickets to Auburn and Florida inside of Neville Arena. Just a minute or so here left in this hour. Still to come in hour number three, we're going to have Joe Bartle of Rotowire at 515. He's going to talk to us about uh, these NFL playoffs that uh, have been very dramatic thus far coming up on championship weekend here in the NFC and AFC. We'll also talk about the Auburn guys, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, Isaac Okoro, and others, and uh, ha- just kind of update everyone on how their pro careers are going. Of course, Joe with Rotowire does NBA fantasy, so we're going to talk about that. We'll also have more of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401. When we lead off hour number three at 5 o'clock, James from Montgomery will join us. So hang on the line just a few more minutes, James. We appreciate your patience. James will join us in hour number three. So a lot to continue to do here on this very busy Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Again, out of time here in hour number two. And, oh, yeah, more preview of Auburn, Texas A&M on the way, too. So a lot more to uh to have listened or have talked about here in the final hour so stay tuned and uh, we'll be right back in just a couple moments
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Beginning of hour number three here of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. This Wednesday edition been a lot of fun so far. Just talked to Andy Birch and the voice of the Auburn Tigers in hour number two. And again, Joe Bartle of RotoWire coming up in just a few minutes. But for now, as promised, we need to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, James from Montgomery. James joins the show. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking with Andy Bertram just an hour ago about um, Auburn versus uh, West uh, Western uh, West Virginia, and I will be watching that game tonight. And I do have Texas Tech beating West Virginia for Auburn as well. Yeah, so uh, so you're gonna be watching the West Virginia's matchup in the midweek, getting a, kind of a scouting report for when they play Auburn later this weekend. Yes, that that is correct as well because I think when we actually do play them for the uh, Big 12 uh, uh, championship uh, tournament that's going to be coming up uh, this uh, next couple of weeks, um, then I will just have to see how Auburn improves tonight's game against Texas A&M and seeing if uh, Janiah Broom is actually going to you know put up more points than he did last night as well. Yeah, it's going to be kind of difficult to do since he uh, scored in, in the mid-20s there. But, uh, uh, yeah, it certainly would be great news for Auburn if he did, uh, if he was able to have a 30-point game. If anyone from Auburn has a 30-point game, I like Auburn's chances. Yes, as well, because with, with Auburn playing at home in Neville Arena against Texas A&M, last week I did see Texas A&M uh, play, I think they played the last game last couple of weeks. And Texas A&M, they're not a really good uh, basketball team. So I think in the first half of this game tomorrow, uh, tonight, I think Texas A&M, they're not going to score um, points in the in the paint or uh, getting rebounds and assists tonight's game against Auburn as well. So I think Auburn is going to um, when they when they actually uh, tip off tonight, I think Auburn would make the first. Uh, the first shot as well. You think Auburn will score first? That would be good momentum to get. Uh, Texas A&M is five and one in the SEC, so they have a uh, successful conference campaign so far. But their last game, they did lose to Kentucky, so they they have lost uh, their previous game. 
Yes, as well, because I did see that game against uh, Texas A&M and Kentucky because I had Kentucky favorite to beat Texas A&M. But I think this time around, I think Auburn would uh, take Texas A&M on, um, on a high road as well. And then with us playing at home, the jungle is going to be loud. It's going to be um, – it's it's just going to be a loud atmosphere in Neville Arena, so I can you know I can actually relate to that as well. Just seeing it on uh, national TV, but actually being there in the jungle, it's 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 something I would love to be a part of as well. Yeah, absolutely. The jungle has gained a lot of respect nationally as one of the top student sections <coughs> in college basketball. A lot of coaches from opposing teams uh, talking about how difficult Neville Arena is to play in now and. Uh, Auburn has done a, a great job of creating a very tough home environment. Yes, as well. And then with the um, the championship game that's going to be coming up this weekend, I'm going to probably see um, – I'm actually getting more news on Patrick Mahomes' uh, ankle, and they're saying that they're, um, the head coach um, for the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, he's saying that uh, Patrick Mahomes will not be able to play – so they're actually going to be going with their backup from uh, two weeks ago that they've actually uh, played him as well. And um, that was sources from uh, the NFL Network as well. And Patrick Mahomes will not be um, playing in the uh, championship game that's coming up Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'm not sure who, who said that, James, because uh, everyone that I, I've heard has said uh, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely playing. In fact, I, I heard Patrick Mahomes himself today in a press conference talk about that he was uh, already practicing a little bit and was, was going to play on Sunday. So I'm not sure who said that, but from all indications, it, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to play, and, and if he does, then uh, it's going to be a, a great matchup between he and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Well, if they actually do, well, they actually do have him uh, still on the roster, but he's questionable. So that could be uh, a give and take on his ankle injury. So I'm thinking he might play, but I'm not quite sure on the sources as well. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. Again, my inkling is that Mahomes will play and uh, they've been talking about he's going to play. He's maybe not going to be 100%, and that's why he is questionable and, and might not practice in full this week. But I would be very shocked if Patrick Mahomes did not play on Sunday. Yes, because um, I do have the uh, Cincinnati Bengals favorite to win to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they win, then I'll just have to see uh, what Joe Burrow is going to do this weekend as well. And um, I actually have a lot of uh, Bengal players on my roster, on my fantasy team as well. And I have a defensive uh, line on my fantasy uh, team as well. I do have the 49ers uh, defense on my team. So I'm just going to see how their, how their defense is going to uh, stand up to uh, Jalen Hurts in uh, Philadelphia this weekend. Yeah, that, uh, that other game between the Eagles and 49ers over in the NFC uh, really, the NFC's two best teams, really all season long. Very, uh, very much looking forward to this matchup. And as you mentioned, uh, the defensive line for the 49ers uh, going to be very pivotal in trying to stop Jalen Hurts both uh, on the ground and then trying to rush him as a passer as well. So, really just looking forward to both these conference championship games this weekend. 
Yes, that's well. And then um, yesterday, I was watching the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony, and it was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Um, I haven't seen anybody being enshrined from the Texas Rangers, but I'm just going to see uh, what would the uh, baseball season look like because we're right around the corner to baseball season as well. And I'm just going to see who's going to, who's actually going to step up when the postseason actually comes in in April as well. Yeah, the postseason, obviously a, a long way to think about, but uh, spring training going to start here in about a month for, for Major League Baseball and your Rangers will go back at it. Tough division that Texas plays in with the, with the Astros being so good, but uh, yeah, looking forward to baseball. It's going to be here before you know it. Yes, as well, because I'm actually counting down the days to uh, Auburn uh, baseball and actually seeing Auburn actually coming to Riverwalk Stadium March the 21st of 2023. So that's going to be an, an amazing thing for me to actually see that uh, take place once again. And um, it's going to be an amazing uh, thing for me to see Auburn uh, men's baseball being played in Montgomery. Yeah, absolutely. They've been doing that for uh, several years now. Always a great occasion to get Auburn uh, playing some local teams, maybe in kind of a neutral environment. So looking forward to all of that. Yes, I saw. And then I'm actually counting down the days to uh, the the uh, NASCAR uh, weekend, which is on February the 5th. And I'm going to be watching Clash uh, the, the Clash of uh, Champions in uh, Los Angeles. California as well for the third time this uh, coming up year as well. Yeah, a lot of excitement about NASCAR too, as you said, coming up in about a week and a half or so. It was such a big hit last year with the L.A. Coliseum. Literally having a track inside of the L.A. Coliseum was uh, something to see, something to behold, and uh, so they're going to replicate that this year, and hopefully it's a big success. Yes, as well, because I'm actually going to be um, looking at some uh, new drivers. I'm actually going to be putting on my NASCAR Fantasy League um, fantasy team and uh, seeing if I can um, win this time uh, this year as well. Do you have any new drivers in mind? Um, I'm actually looking at Danny Hamlin, and I'm still looking at Bubba Wallace, seeing if he's going to do good this year. And um, I'm looking at some other uh, drivers as well from the uh, Craftsman uh, Truck Series as well. Interesting. Okay, uh, up and comers then too. All right, that'll be that'll be something to watch. Well, do you have any final thoughts for us today, James? Well, um, my final thoughts would be to see if Auburn is going to beat Texas A&M tonight. And I do have the uh, final score for this game tonight. I have Auburn uh, winning this game tonight, um, fifty-seven to twenty-seven. That would be an incredibly low-scoring game. We will take uh, any victory Auburn can get, though, and uh, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, and uh, I'll talk to you all guys on tomorrow. Sounds great, James. We appreciate the phone call as always. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us here on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next timeout of the show. Again, want to tell you about those Auburn women's basketball tickets up for grabs over on our Sports Call Auburn Facebook page. Again, go to the Facebook page. That will tell you how to enter. We'll pick a winner, I believe, tomorrow uh, around the showtime. So you still have about 24 hours to enter or so into that Facebook contest for two free tickets to Auburn women's basketball against Florida on Monday night inside of Neville Arena. Back with Joe Bartle right after this.
have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401. Or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Tiger ninety five point nine. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Now we're pleased to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in Joe Bartle of RotoWire. And, and Joe, I cannot make this up because uh, I told you we would talk a little bit about this today. Uh, RotoWire just tweeted uh, about 30 seconds ago Jabari Smith will play, have minutes monitored. Uh, and so that's why you should go follow RotoWire on Twitter because they're giving you great updates about Auburn guys too in the NBA. But uh, Joe, again, always appreciate the time. Yeah, how'd you know? I, I, I scheduled that tweet just for our conversation. I, 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 I <laughs> have it on this platform right here. It's perfect. Uh, that is perfect indeed. We will talk some NBA here in just a few moments as we talk about the Auburn guys and just everything else going on with fantasy. Again, Joe Bartle of RotoWire with us here. Let's start, though, with what we talked about for about 20 weeks in a row now, Joe, uh, the National Football League, and uh, we're getting down to brass tacks. Four teams remain, and outside of Buffalo, and of course Cincinnati kind of maybe proved us wrong on, on what they were, but these probably the four best teams in the National Football League. Just talk us through what happened in the divisional weekend and uh, as we start to look forward to the conference championship weekend. Oh, yeah. I think unequivocally these are the four best teams, and I have been holding out hope that the Bills were who we thought they were at least earlier in the regular season, and, and maybe maybe they're the fifth best team. And, and that shouldn't be that big of a deal, but given how bad and I thought thoroughly the Bengals ended up beating the Bills, it, it's a pretty distant difference between the fourth and fifth spot, whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, it's I'm really excited. I think I think it'll be a lot of good games. Um, you know, I want to see somebody be competitive with Brock Purdy. I know the Cowboys' defense gave some issues to the 49ers, Brock Purdy specifically, and that was probably the best defense Brock Purdy. I think almost unequivocally the best defense he's played this year. Um, and and the hype has gotten to be just too much for me. Like I, I am, I am already too annoyed with what people say about 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 Brock Purdy, not just the national media, but I just like talking to friends and family. Wow, this you know, Mr. Relvin, he's doing so good. Like, I love Disney movies. I don't need a Disney movie his rookie season. Can, can we just pump the brakes a little bit on, on what Brock Purdy can be? If you get a quality backup with the very last pick in the seventh round, you are ecstatic. Just because we need a new Tom Brady, the old one is 45 years old, doesn't mean we get one today. So I, I'm, I'm ready for that to die down a little bit, whether it's the Eagles or the Bengals or the Chiefs. Uh, I'm hoping somebody does that for me, at least personally. And I do. I, I think uh, the money is on the AFC, certainly, to win this one, whether it be against the Eagles or 49ers. You no, know, Patrick Mahomes' injury uh, could complicate things a little bit. But if they do make it out of this game against the Bengals, they'll have, that'll be at least three, point, or sorry, sorry, three weeks since the point of the injury. Theoretically, a high ankle sprain shouldn't be as uh, difficult. And you'd imagine over those two weeks, he's almost doing literally nothing. Um, you know, physical-wise, I, I hope the game will be competitive uh, with Mahomes likely hampered to some extent. And, you know, that, that's 
that's because, or I'm, I'm less interested in that one because of Mahomes' injury, whereas I think the 49ers Eagles is going to be competitive throughout. Although, Joe, you're looking for the, the Brock Purdy buzz to die down a little bit, I've got to ask you, though, they did beat uh, famous Packers coach Mike McCarthy, and uh, the way the Cowboys decided to end that game, again, famous Mike McCarthy. So was it not at least a little bit uh, – did you get a good laugh out of how that game ended just with time management and Ezekiel Elliott snapping a football, Ezekiel Elliott ending the play looking up at the sky, just, just everything that transpired there at the end of the game? Yeah, it was it was a pretty pathetic play call. I feel like that was called like uh, in July sometime against the uh, guys that don't even make the practice squad, the ones that are cut beforehand. And Mike was like, "Oh man, this yeah, this looks great. This could be fantastic. No one's gonna anticipate Ezekiel Elliott uh, getting a, a pitch backwards, and uh, of course, uh, him on his back doesn't help things with that play. But it was it was just bad. Well, and, and to like maybe uh, give some credit to that final play. I mean, Dalton Schultz messed up two plays before. You have a Dak Prescott bad throw as well. I mean, there, there was a complication of errors on top of Mike McCarthy being one of the worst situational coaches in this exact moment in NFL history. I mean, there was there was literally no way the Cowboys were going to win, but they couldn't have done anything. Um, they couldn't have been done anything better to to ensure they would lose that game than the sequence of events that really took place prior to that very last play. As comical as it might be, and and it was. Uh, but I, I honestly, I think I have a bit of empathy for America's team's fan. Uh, not not that much empathy because you're really so annoying. I'm talking to you specifically about the Cowboy fans are listening. Typically, your fandom is very annoying. Uh, I, like, I, I've lived this Mike McCarthy thing for 10-plus years. You know, like, I, it, it's disappointing. And I'm going to tell you right now, it'll never change. Sean Payton, rookie coach, next Sean McVay, whatever. Anybody is better if you want to win a Super Bowl than Mike McCarthy, and you will not convince me otherwise. So if that is the goal and that is the aspiration, Mike McCarthy can't be the leader of that team. I don't know who is, but it can't be him. Uh, I think we are well past that point where where he's going to win the Super Bowl. So I have a little bit of empathy uh, for Cowboys fans out there. And looking on to the NFC Championship game, uh, these are two teams, the Eagles and the 49ers, one and two in defense. Um, so obviously they have that locked down and two very high-scoring offenses as well. Uh, even though you know the, uh, the 49ers are still functioning with Brock Purdy, they have he has a plethora of weapons to work with. Um, where do you think that ultimately the winner of this game, what do you think is going to decide that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess I'm leaning towards can the Eagles get first downs? And I'm not even saying they have to score touchdowns. Obviously, what they did last week against the Giants was pretty impressive. And I, I thought maybe the Giants would be a bit more competitive. You know, they always say it's really hard to beat a team three times in a row. Uh, I feel like this playoff should put an end to that uh, adage because what would the Niners do that against the Seahawks? and the Eagles do it against the Giants? Um, you know, I, I, I have thought that was always dumb. Especially when the three team or the, the teams are such different in talent, much like the Eagles and Giants were. Um, I really believe that they get first downs and are able to control the possession. Like the goal is to make Brock Purdy is going to mess up. He, he just he just is. He is not actually Tom Brady, and he certainly isn't a Tom Brady that's won fifteen Super Bowls, whatever it is now. It's just not what Tom, uh, what Brock Purdy is. So I, I really think that if you Limit the possessions the 49ers can put explosive plays. At some point, Purdy is going to make a mistake, a bad throw, an interception, turnover, whatever else, and you can continue to capitalize. And the more you put pressure, just subtly, not like a, oh, wow, the Eagles up 21 nothing with the Chargers digging the Jaguars a couple weeks ago, subtle pressure, that, I, that has to rattle somebody uh, as young and inexperienced as Brock Purdy is. And, and quite frankly, 
lesser talent than a lot of other quarterbacks. Not all quarterbacks. That's why he's a very capable backup or low-end starter. But most quarterbacks would be riled in that scenario, and I think that's the way in which you can kind of keep pressure. That's the most important thing to me if you were to be rooting for the Eagles to win is consistent first downs, not too many uh, long-distance conversions, relying on that running game, and having Jalen Hurts continue to make plays against the Giants. He looks fantastic, and that was the biggest difference for me as to why I thought maybe the Giants could be competitive. If that is the Jalen Hurts that we see for the next two games, the Eagles will win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm very convinced of that. Talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire, last football question before we transition into the NBA. Joe, when you look at that AFC Championship game, obviously these storylines revolve around their quarterbacks. Joe Burrow uh, and what he's been able to do, how much of a smooth operator he's been. And then Patrick Mahomes, that high ankle sprain, but obviously Mahomes had another terrific year this year. if the, and look, I don't want to go down – the legacy stuff with people in their 20s is incredibly annoying, and I've seen some of that from the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. Is this a legacy game for Patrick Mahomes? No, because he's got 10 or 15 more years of this. So let's let's not do this right now. But when we look forward and we kind of think of, what, of the way we've processed Allen, Mahomes, and Burrow and these three teams, if Burrow and the Bengals can get this done, do we have to kind of shift the way we view the hierarchy kind of going forward? Forward in the AFC? No, no, I, I think that's I think it's ludicrous. Like if Mahomes retired today, he might be a Hall of Fame quarterback, especially if he won an MVP at the end of the season. Which uh, he, he's not—I don't know if he's the odds-on favorite, but certainly around that same spot. Like that's how good Mahomes has been, and he didn't start his rookie year, and it's it's really kind of incredible. Maybe you can credit that to Andy Reid. Maybe you can credit that to Travis Kelsey or Terry Kill. But a lot of this has to be just a compliment to Patrick Mahomes and what he's already done. So while you are right to say this is not a legacy game, if he were to transcend a high ankle sprain, and we all watched that injury occur, and all grimaced a little bit and were concerned about what would happen for him, if he's able to be uh, the, the Brett Favre right, of, of, of the injuries of 20 years ago and uh, shake off some gnarly things and perform at the level in which we've seen this season and we've seen thus far in his career, that would be, uh, I think, a feather in his cap from a legacy perspective. Like, it does add to it. Yes, he's going to have another 15, 20 years to add more of those moments. But make no mistake, if he were to beat the Bengals, that is a moment. And the reason it's a moment is because the Bengals look like the best team in the NFL. I was convinced they were going to lose to the Bills. I thought the home team advantage for Buffalo was going to be significant. But the Bengals were a tougher team. And it reminds me a lot of the 49ers when they'd face my Packers. It's like, oh, wow, you know. This uh, clearly not cold team is doing way better in cold conditions than the Packers are. And, and while I know Cincinnati is not a warm-weather team, they were tougher and they wanted it more. I think they had the right mindset. Joe Burrow has been leading them extremely well. And that was a uh, legacy-defining game for Burrow as much as it was Josh Allen. I don't know if Joe Burrow is on the level of Patrick Mahomes yet, but he is, I think, in the top two or three quarterbacks already at this point. And, and maybe that was solidified for some, but it wasn't for me, and I thought last year's run to the Super Bowl was a bit fluky, kind of reliant on some timely turnovers and some unfortunate things by the Titans and other parts of the Bengals to get to the, where they were. This is them taking this, taking, taking the NFL by its throat and just saying, "No, we're here. Listen to us. We are going to be um, really, really good." And you know, maybe that's the, probably too graphic example. I just, I'm very, I've been very impressed with the Bengals. Uh, and I, I think they are going to be a dominant team for some time, and certainly for the next two games. 
Let's now talk NBA, Joe. And these Auburn guys, uh, they're starting to multiply a little bit in the NBA, but most of them having some tough seasons in their own forms and fashion. Let's start with the Auburn rookies, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler-Smith, as we just mentioned via Rotowire, uh, about to come back from a, from an injury that's kept him out the last couple of weeks. His raw numbers, points, rebounds are okay, but the efficiency has been poor. And then the, on the other side of things, Walker Kessler, though, has been a very pleasant surprise climbing the NBA Kia rookie uh, rookie ladder and he had that uh, huge 2020 game a, a couple weeks ago how do you value these guys in their first seasons and then for fantasy owners uh, just what does a guy in particular like Kessler do who we've talked about efficient players that rebound or double double capable uh, how is he starting to rank is he starting to kind of go up some fantasy boards yeah I guess for Jabari Smith, I'm not worried whatsoever. I really thought he was um, a top two prospect. So to fall to number three, I would have taken Jabari over Chet Holmgren every time. Um, I, I, I thought he was going to be better than what he's played this year, but by no means am I disappointed. He's 19 years old, playing with a bunch of other 19-year-olds on a Rockets team that does not want to win. I mean, that's like the clear objective for that franchise at the moment. Um, I would have hoped he would shoot better from three-point land. I mean, over 40% uh, last year with Auburn. That was like, okay, if he shoots 35-38, you're talking about a guy that uh, could be a difference maker. With the amount of attempts that he gets right now with the Rockets, I was hoping that he'd be a bit more proficient from beyond the arc. I already know he's a capable driver. Uh, and a really good finisher around the rim, even as young as he is. He'll get better, get better at that as he grows. Uh, on a championship-level team, and I think the Rockets, you know, they have to get things right continuously, but they have some pieces. Jalen Green's a little bit interesting. Uh, I think Jabari Smith is certainly interesting, too. On a championship team, he is the second or third best player. Like, I really believe he'll get to that point. So while this hasn't been a great rookie year, I'm by no means turned off by what his performance has been thus far. But you're right. Walker Kessler has been a really interesting case. Now, he was already getting a ton of blocks even prior to uh, sort of getting this extra 20 to 30-minute uh, range of workload with Utah. But now with the Jazz actually doing well and Walker Kessler kind of uh, forcing his way into the starting lineup, especially – when Kelly Olynyk's been out this past two weeks or so, um, that's been that's been really good. He's converting. I think I saw this last week, so I could be wrong. Either top five or top ten in terms of uh, field goal percentage, and that's as a rookie. Again, super young, just like Jabari Smith in that regard. Twenty one years old. I, I like what Walker Kessler can do. He's obviously limited though. Um, but for the twenty second overall pick, you are more than happy from that perspective. You're the Jazz, and you're developing at least a, a bit of a. Um, a bit of a fill-in for Rudy Gobert, who you are very happy to trade, and I think uh, certainly with the draft capital they got back from the Timberwolves, you'll make that deal over time. But especially how Walker Kessler's played thus far, it has to be a great deal for both the Jazz and fantasy managers to be able to get him. I would imagine at this point he's picked up everywhere, but if he's not, he needs to be in your fantasy basketball even if it's like an 18, 18 league at this point. And then the other two main Auburn guys, Joe, Isaac Coro, Chumo, Kiki. Kiki's been injured now for a while for Orlando. We know about his defensive prowess. Again, the efficiency issue uh, has been a problem from him, particularly from uh, behind the arc. And then Isaac Okoro was kind of that question mark, would he be that fifth starter for Cleveland? At times he starts, at times he's on the bench. It's kind of hard to follow which game is going to be which for him. He's played, I've seen him play 12 minutes, I've seen him play 34 minutes in a game. So kind of what's going on with, with Okoro and Cleveland. And Cleveland, by the way, quite a good team. Yeah, I think the Okoro one might be really interesting. I mean, if the, if the Cavs want and there's like a sneaky name in the trade market, Okoro might be one of those cornerstone pieces that you 
you throw not for the salary matching perspective, but something that you say, hey, uh, this will be a capable guy, kind of like uh, Herb Jones was for the Pelicans in their playoff run last year. I know they didn't get too far, but what Herb Jones could do, it's very easy to translate in the NBA. And I know everyone gets in the scoring, uh, getting their own bucket, and, and I do too. You know, those are the, the fun players to watch. But guys like Herb Jones or Coral, defensively, that's that's valuable, and that you can do a three and D type of thing where you can cover really just about all five positions. I guess not center per se, but uh, I, I think he's a very versatile and valuable defender. That matters in the NBA, and I think you can very easily find some sort of trade assets in that regard. I don't know what the Cavs really want to improve. Like the Donovan Mitchell trade was a big deal for them, and has elevated them to a level in which I think they are competitive with the Bucks and the Celtics and the 76ers in the East. So that's that's a quartet of teams that could very easily come out of the Eastern Conference, even if Evan Mobley can't really develop as much as he did after his, his awesome rookie year. Uh, if you're just concerned about Kevin Love and, and C.D. Osmond as really your only bench pieces for the Cavs, that's where I wonder if core could be one of those guys that could be moved. And The Carlos Levert addition from a couple years back has helped them give a bit of bench spark, but that's the one spot where if core were to get traded, we're talking about the Cavs team that probably has enough, has enough depth and bench defense to make up for it, but could use a bit more offense when it gets to the playoffs. I don't know who is available to fit that, or like what would the trade look like, but I wouldn't be surprised if Okola got moved and was one of the four pieces in a trade. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, again, preview for us uh, what you got going on at RotoWire and how RotoWire can help everyone and their fantasy needs. Yeah, a couple more uh, Sirius XM shows on Friday. I think they now start at 7 p.m. Eastern, so it's a three-hour three hour special for the next couple weeks here on Fridays. A lot of dynasty football talk, a lot of college uh, prospects and analyzing as we get closer to the combine itself and obviously the draft later on in the offseason. Uh, there might be some more in the woodworks. Stick around to my, uh, my, twi- I'm sorry, my, Twitch, my Twitter uh, at JB Fantasy Sports if there's a new podcast that might be coming out. We'll have to see uh, how those things progress. But a lot of football coverage, and obviously the Royal has got you covered with all the, the basketball and baseball, especially as we're gearing up right now uh, towards pitchers and catchers meeting up. That'll be that'll be interesting, too, from a fancy perspective, and I can't wait to launch the baseball season. He's Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, as always, we appreciate the time. We look forward to these championship games this weekend, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon, my friend. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on. Joe Bartle of Rotowire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We need to take a timeout. We'll start to wrap up Sports Call after this and again continue to preview or finish previewing Auburn and Texas AM. Stay tuned, more Sports Call after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here. Starting to wind things down. Just eight or nine minutes left in the program today. 
Getting you set for Auburn basketball as they take on Texas A&M inside of Neville Arena. And again, we appreciate Joe Bartle of Rotowire just a few moments ago for talking to us about some uh, NFL playoffs. And again, these Auburn basketball guys in the NBA. We referred to it just briefly there, but Walker Kessler now third on the NBA rookie ladder, which is kind of like a de facto, if we had to vote today, here's how the rookie of the year voting would go. And uh, he is third on that behind Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. uh, And, uh, of course, Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. But uh, uh, good for Walker Kessler. And, again, keep an eye on Jabari Smith and all those Auburn guys in the NBA. Uh, Of course, uh, really turning the page here on this Auburn basketball program that uh, did not have many guys in the NBA for a long time. Yeah. And uh, those guys starting to to build that reputation up. And it leads to the Aiden Hallways of the, wor- uh, of the world committing yeah. to Auburn. Of course, uh, I don't think we've talked about that, but a five-star uh, coming to Auburn next year uh, was named a McDonald's, McDonald's All-American yep. yesterday. And nice. so, uh, again, Bruce Pearl on the recruiting trail has continued to be tremendous. Uh, let's again, let's kind of pivot into this Auburn and AM matchup again tonight. We talked about it earlier in the show. This Auburn team relying heavily on about four players right now. And I've we've been harping on this for weeks. Flanagan, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, Wendell Green Jr. have been the four to stand out here for Auburn in minutes and workload. We've seen Flanagan have these like 10.7 rebound games, yeah. which has been a very nice role-playing uh, deal right there. Jalen Williams, the playmakers, had several four, five, six assist nights. Even when he's not shooting the ball well, he has shot the ball well overall this year. Uh, Janai Broom, the big game against South Carolina, that gave him Sports Call Player of the Week. And Wendell Green Jr., a big game against South Carolina, a double-double. You don't see 10 or 11 and 12 assist games very often in college basketball with the shorter game and just the app. Aptitude to turn the ball over and that sort of thing. So these guys all playing pretty good for Auburn yeah. coincides with this win streak. And so again, what's it going to take tonight for Auburn against Texas A and M? A lot of those guys, I would say. Yeah, it's going to take those guys, and and as we've talked about before, it's going to take Janai Broom having a big game. Um, I, I'll say it again: Auburn needs to find itself where they are not having to try to shoot a lot from the outside. Now, I can guarantee you, Texas A and M also knows that. And so defensively, they're going to try to put Auburn in situations where they have to shoot from the outside because just like we pulled right, up. that's the scouting report. Just like we pulled up the stats, they also know Auburn's one of the worst teams in the NCAA at shooting the three. So what do you do is you figure out a defense that pushes them out and take away the inside and you force them to have to shoot from the outside. Just like in football, if you know you have a really good running team, you shut it down. You make them throw the ball or vice versa. Yeah. And that's exactly what A&M is going to try to do is they're going to try to push Auburn out to the perimeter and force the game out there. So Auburn is going to have to figure out something in a half-court offense or get the transition baskets. That's going to be the other big thing is transition stuff. And uh, and, and get it to the inside, and Janai Broom is going to have to have a big game. Uh, they're going to have to watch the fouls. Uh, we, we talked about how uh, – A&M has a propensity to go to the line a lot. They are uh, seventh in the country in free throws attempted per game, and they are fifth in the country in free throws made. Now, they are only 47% uh, in free throw percentage, but they go to the line a lot. As a team, they're only 47%? Yeah. 
Oh no, they're no, no, no forty seventh in the country. Oh, in the country. Yeah. Wow, I was about 70, to say Shaq does not shoot all their free throws. Yeah, 70, no. 74, uh, technically seventy five percent free throw shooting. Okay, okay, team, okay, okay. But forty seventh in the country. Okay, gotcha. But they're seventh in the country in in attempts per game, and they're fifth in the country in free throws made. So they like to go to the line, um, which means they're trying to work it inside and draw those fouls. They are a very physical team. They're probably going to be the most physical team that Auburn has seen in a while. Uh, Maybe since Mississippi State. Probably since um, Mississippi State. Yeah. It's definitely one of the better teams Auburn has faced so far this year. So, fortunately, Auburn has them in Neville Arena. You know the crowd's going to be big. They're already probably lined up out there in that cold, windy weather right now, getting ready to go in. So, uh, hopefully uh, the, hopefully the jungle can come through and, and make it a huge home field advantage for the Tigers and they can keep that win streak going. Yeah, if you're Auburn, um, kind of like I said at the beginning of the show, you just got to stay disciplined and continue to play your game. Um, I would expect, I would expect that um, Texas A&M watched that South Carolina game, although it was a blowout in Auburn's favor. Auburn did Auburn's offense did get pretty stagnant there for a second, and South Carolina did have them struggling um, when they came out at a one-three-one defense. Um, and that's something to definitely look out for with Texas A&M. Um, one three one and extended two three zone maybe to, you know that's something that you're going to have to shoot out of. Um, but that kind of sets up pretty perfectly for Jalen Williams to get himself going in the game because if you just put him you put him in the middle right there that two three zone he turns around he has that little push shot and like like Andy Bertram said in our interview with him he's pretty much automatic with that shot with that little push shot floater. Um, and if you get that going that will ultimately make the defense push in same with Janai you get him with that little push shot there um, you get him comfortable in that situation that'll open up a lot more get you know get some threes maybe some comfortable shots um, and and that that'll help a lot if you're if you're Auburn stay disciplined on defense uh, Janai is going to rim protect obviously like like you yeah. said Tom you got to watch for the fouls um, and you can just I mean just adjust to how the game is being called right I think I've said that before as well you have to be able to be um, vigilant on how the refs are calling the game if they're calling it more in favor of the offense or more in favor of the defense and you got to be able to make those adjustments be smart play smart basketball and um, make smart decisions you know you can't just run over yeah. a certain player that's kind of how it happened with Mississippi State towards the end of the game that's why they kind of came closer was because Auburn started making those mistakes they didn't adjust to how the game was being called and uh, it, it kind of let Mississippi State back into the game um, so you just got to be able to pay attention to that and take smart shots. Um, just, I think the jungle is going to be energetic. Neville arena is going to be extremely energetic. Um, and it, it's going to be a good one. Um, I, I think Auburn will be able to pull it out. Um, I don't know if I'd say that if it was in college station, but, um, being, being at home definitely is a big difference. And Neville arena is one of the best, if not the best home court advantage in uh in college basketball so you definitely have to take that into account you never know how the schedule is going to ultimately work out but auburn uh getting really the top of three other teams in the sec at least so far 
uh, twice this year, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama. Obviously, Alabama happens every year, but right. uh, two Tennessee games and two Texas A&M games, sneaky difficult. Again, A&M 13-6 overall, not the robust non-conference that some of these other teams have, but 5-1 and one in the SEC, a part of that hodgepodge of four teams with one loss or fewer. And really, all the top teams in the SEC are going tonight. Number four, Tennessee taking on Georgia at home. Tennessee favored by 16 and a half. Hmm. And then number two, Alabama taking on Mississippi State at 8 o'clock. That one, 11 and a half in favor of the Tide. Auburn, again, for uh, the record, is favored by four. There is one other SEC game uh, for the night. This one is skippable, though. 11 and 8, Florida. 8 and 11, South Carolina. Just to tell you how gruesome, riveting. How, uh, how gruesome South Carolina is. South Carolina is playing an 11 and 8 Florida team. That Florida team is favored by 15 Sheesh. and a half points against South well, Carolina. Well, you remember the days when that used to be Auburn basketball, though. I, I know. I know. Thankfully, those days are gone. Yeah, I, I'm very happy those days are gone. But, yeah, I, you can guarantee you that uh, those were the days. It's like, yeah, anytime Auburn's playing, yeah, the one you can just skip over. Right, right. Not anymore. Glad those are done. All right, minute or two left out of the show. Time for the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. As mentioned, 6 o'clock, South Carolina and Florida, ESPN2. I basically just said to ignore the first part of our TV guide. My apologies. <laughs> so, uh, to Brooks, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. It's West Virginia and Texas Tech. You want to get a little look at the next Auburn opponent, West Virginia at Texas Tech there. And, of course, Auburn and Texas A&M, 8 o'clock on ESPN2, but also 7.30 on the Auburn Sports Network on FM Talk 93.9. And then some hockey, 6 o'clock, Toronto Maple Leafs, New York Rangers on TNT at 6. And one movie pick for you this evening. You want uh, a little uh, movie action before the Auburn game, 6 o'clock on FX. It is the original Iron Man, the one that kind of started it all for the Marvel yeah. uh, Universe. Little did they know at that moment uh, it would become uh, a universe yeah. that would have a dozen characters or so, all it's have crazy. movies, all make a couple hundred million dollars or more. Uh, so that is tonight's Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that's going to do it for the show today. Fun show, busy show today. Yeah. Tom, enjoyed you being here, sir. Hope Absolutely. you have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Yep, yeah, back to work at the old Fat Daddy's for the rest of the week. So Friday, uh, Fridays for you, man. You told me about them. sixteen hours. Woo, yeah. that's a lot. It's a grind. Uh, but uh, we we hope to see you again next week. And Absolutely. Then, and then Cam, uh, g- grateful for you being here as well. We'll see you again on Friday. Yes, sir. See you on Friday. And we thank Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, and Joe Bartle of RotoWire for uh, having interviews today. And, of course, we thank all those who tuned in and called in. For Ken Barry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy Auburn basketball tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.